welcome to the Sports Carnage Podcast, presented by Detroit Sports Nation, featuring Paul Roshan, D. Dylan Bear, Ryan Griffin, and Matthew Basson, bringing the most arrogant takes on the planet straight to your ears. We don't promise to always be right, but we promise to act like we are. What's happening, loyal listeners? Welcome back to Sports Carnage, along with Paul Roshan, Dylan Bear, Ryan Griffin. I am Matt Basson. And, uh, gentlemen, we got a bunch to get through. It was a miserable weekend for the Big Ten as far as football for the most part, uh, except for Michigan, who didn't have to do a damn thing but sit back and laugh at their down-the-road <laughs> rivals. We uh, don't do that. Oh, shut up. I've seen oh, your Facebook fans. You're full of crap. <laughs> All the big, oh my God, we almost lost the army. Yeah, well, guess what happened? Yeah, guess what I, happened? So I hate this term, but that is the Walmart Wolverines. Yeah, which is the majority of Michigan fans in the state of Michigan. And no, that's just fairness, rude and hurtful. In fairness, every fan base has a Walmart Wolverine. This is also very, very true. Um, I know you guys have some order you want to do this crap in, but I've been waiting for three days to get my anger out at this fucking team that what? I have watched Y'all, for you gotta years. Edit that out. You damn right, and I will. I am so tired of my teams being so fucking stupid. My Lions are stupid. My Spartans are stupid. My Tigers are stupid. My Red Wings turn stupid. I'm, my Lakers have turned oh, stupid. A franchise I never thought could turn stupid turns through. I am so goddamn tired of my teams being stupid. And that is all I saw Saturday at East Lansing against a terrible team in Arizona State that You're we right. couldn't do a goddamn thing against. We could move the ball between the 20s. Fan fucking tastic. But we couldn't do a goddamn thing to score on them it is nothing but being inept and then after all this after all these mistakes for 45 fucking minutes we actually have a chance to steal this damn game that we should be winning by three touchdowns we got the ball to their 20 with 11 seconds left the ball is spiked the clock ain't moving it's second down and we got a chance to put one in the end zone and get the hell out of dodge with a lucky ass win and what do we do our quarterback screaming to the sideline what are we doing and we don't know what we're doing until there are 10 seconds left on the play clock let's rush the damn kicking team out there kick it with two seconds left on the play clock somehow our kicker who matt coughlin had a miserable saturday makes the damn kick but we can't fucking count and we have two we have 13 players on there if they'd have kicked it at three seconds left in the play clock but they waited one more second and the 13th guy actually got off the field and so now we got to kick again and of course we miss it when everything is telling me you spike the damn ball in first down for a reason to get a chance to go for the end zone one time you got 11 seconds it's 20 yards you got one play for the end zone maybe win this thing if not the clock stops. You got 25 seconds of game of game clock and go bring the kicking staff out. Know your 11 that are supposed to be out there. Tie the damn game and let's go win it in overtime instead. But none of that happened because my Spartans are fucking morons. I'm startled. Matt bringing this kind of heat. I, I, I mean, I hate to add insult to injury to this though, but I did warn you about this. The minute that Mark had his press conference, you reacting this way is exactly how I reacted when he had that presser 
This is exactly what I was afraid of. It's happening. I hate being right about this, but absolutely it is. And this is a byproduct of protecting your friends, being an old dude. And also, Paul's probably going to touch on this as well, because he called this a mile in advances. Also, Nick Saban literally emasculated our coach. If this was 2010, that's a fake field goal, or they're going for the end zone. He has been emasculated. He is scared to make any mistakes, and in turn, he has made the program a joke. And I appreciate your passion, and I I, I like it because you're, you're showing so, some real heat here in your frustration, but at the same time, this is a byproduct of state operating like a bunch of little chumps, and Mark needs to leave, and something needs to change, because if not... This is going to be just like Perlis the late years all the way through, Saban leaving us, all this kind of stuff. It's just over and over again of hope and then us dropping back down into the mid-20s as a program. I I just can't bring myself to be this frustrated because I put that energy out there back in January or whenever the hell his presser was. I knew this was going to happen. I'm just not surprised. You guys are making I'm, me sad already. I know, That's and what I'm this less. Was, was sad. I'm less mad than Matt is, and I think it's less of a by- byproduct of D'Antonio keeping his friends around, and more of a byproduct of there was a ton of miscommunication and just mistakes in that game. So if you put those two teams on a field and you took away, you know, the scoreboard, right, where people could keep up. If you just said, you know, which one of these teams won the game, most people would probably pick Michigan State because they played they played better football, better but then they played <laughs> way worse football, too, at the same time. It's like every time that they were given a chance to put a bullet in Arizona State, they took the gun, turned it down, and then just shot themselves straight in the foot with it. You know, they had a ton of penalties, obviously. They had the fumble that Lewerke had. That fumble, uh, that only fumble, one fumble was so bad because that was we were driving. Yeah, that was in uh, in Arizona State territory too. So you know we had the chance to score on that drive. We had Geiger miss, uh, or not Geiger, excuse me, Coglin miss a bunny of a field goal after making it, but there was a delay of game again, another penalty, um, and another one on special teams. And then he ends up missing the 37-yard field goal, and I think it was 32 yards before. Obviously, he missed the 47-yarder. That's not too concerning. 47 yards, we know, isn't a gimme in college, even if he is supposed to be one of the better kickers in the country. Um, a ton of like personal foul penalties, roughing the passer specifically is one that comes to mind that extended drives for Arizona State when you know the drive shouldn't have been extended and then a whole lot of coaching errors. What I've heard is a lot of people put this game on the offense because they've only scored seven points. Now you look at their total yards, right, is four, over 400, basically. So over 400 yards, mm-hmm. and right now what a lot of the fans were calling for early in the season was, hey, just be an average offense. They are right at average in terms of you know, total offense. They're, I think, 57th in the country right now, which if you gave – any Michigan State fan, hey, you're going to be 57th in the country in total offense this year with that defense. Every single person would have taken it. One thing that I think is the biggest thing, and I'll go back to it, is, of course, the just the miscommunication of the field goal, of it seems like guys not knowing where to be and what to do. That's what I place more of the penalties on than even just the, some of the players making a mistake. 
it's they there's not communication within the offense. There was I think there was more than one delay of game, of course, and I'll always put that on the coaches because it's not like you know you were on the road. So the crowd shouldn't have really been a factor. And then just back-breaking plays. I know we had them third and 15 or something like that way back in, I think they were within, you know, their own 10-yard line. Um, And, you know, it's a a play where if we get it, obviously the strip sack had the hands to the face there. So there's a, a lot of penalties and not stuff that I'd particularly put entirely on the coaching staff being... Uh, just bad coaches it was more so probably on them being in in newer spots i don't i don't think they're good coaches i don't think that that's what caused them it was a a ton of the miscommunication all the ton of these excuses specifically on mark but 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 okay but where's the excuse mark in particular but well because you're you're talking about how well well at least the offense gained yards okay but then we're i didn't i just said uh, there's a lot of people that blame the offense and I think that's but, mis- but the uh, offense is because I mean, Mark misinformed. again. Brad, I think this is kind of a sickly thing. While yeah, I was talking about how all oh, the changes in the, in the in the meshing and everybody switching chairs and shit was, was bad. I actually think Brad Salem is a actually competent coordinator, and I also am almost certain that Mark superseded him on multiple multiple occasions, including the last possession that Michigan State had before the field goal. So the basically the uh, three and out that they had in order to set Arizona State up in our territory. They started out with two runs, and then there was the throw to, to Darnell Stewart that was called incomplete. That is Mark's call. Because yep. Brad Salem was not calling that game where they were going to have dive plays that they hadn't run the entire game in that scenario because Mark was scared and he superseded. And also the fourth and one where Connor fucking Hayward, I'm tired of this motherfucker, was in instead of Elijah Collins and they were not in the shotgun or in the pistol. If Brad Salem was able to call this game the way that it was supposed to without being impeded, we're winning this game by double digits. But Mark can't do that because he's an arrogant, empowered old man who needs to get the shit out of this program before he sinks it into oblivion, and he already maybe has. So I have... One thing I feel is your guys' frustration, especially regarding the play calling, and I think a lot of that stems for not understanding what's going on. So you guys will know I have defended for three years now Michigan's play calling. I have absolutely said that has not been the issue. It's been the horses in execution, which is coach speak, I know, but I really believe that. But one of the biggest things was is this collaborative approach that Michigan has had to play calling, and everyone didn't like it. They said that Jim Harbaugh's hands on everything. It's his offense. He's outdated, blah, 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 whatever. And this year, he turned everything over to Josh Gaddis, and it's been a little rough so far. But what's funny in the parallel that I'm drawing from this is you still have ignorant people out there that are, because things aren't going well, that are like, oh, well, this is still Jim Harbaugh's offense. He's overriding Josh Gaddis, which is not accurate at all. It's not what's happening. But what I think causes a lot of angst for Michigan State fans is you have no idea what's – there's no clarity as to who's calling the shots, when are they calling the shots, who's really in charge of the offense. I think it's pretty clear the actual changes when Mark took over. You you did the famous deck shuffle. 
that everyone calls it, and you move Brad Salem to OC, and one thing I was kind of excited for, both in the spring game, and I know it's weird to get hyped up about a spring game, but you saw some of the concepts they were trying to implement in the spring game, and then you saw it carry over the beginning of the season uh, to the Western beatdown that probably overreacted to a lot of people, but what you saw was a lot more spread concepts, which your team needs because even before the injuries, you didn't have the offensive line capable of the pro-style traditional attack that Mark would like to execute. So you really need to go to more spread concepts. But it's interesting to me you point out, well, this is when it changed. This is when Mark took over. This is when he turtled and tanked the play calling. And I'm not even saying you're wrong, but it's so frustrating to sit here and watch the games because we really have no idea. It's a lot of guesswork, and it's frustrating. And the, the Hayward play that you point to, to me, that was my most upsetting play of the entire game watching it. Asinine. And it wasn't the play call. Now, I, did, I was not happy that Collins wasn't in the game. I had no idea why you were using Hayward. But I will defend the coaches on this. The play call was fine. Hayward should have easily had that first down. You have a defender that literally dove at this man's ankles and he could have stepped around him. He could have jumped over him. He could have high-stepped over him, let alone hurdled him. And he literally, a guy Stood diving at his up. ankles, didn't even... He lowered his shoulder to run into him. <laughs> you need fourth and one, and a guy is diving Damn. at your ankles, and what goes through your head is, I'm going to lower my shoulder into this man. It's all about leverage, right? Like It's always pad level and leverage. You have a guy diving at your ankles. You can't possibly get lower than him. You you are hitting him higher up. You're not getting lower than him. Right. Like why so you why even go try? Over or well, you shouldn't have. You go over or around. He could have easily that first down. But it's that that one play is a microcosm of so many of the issues that are plaguing this team. And that's really what I want to talk so, about. Uh, so I have a, wait. I have a question about this because you said that you're having a problem discerning between Mark's calls and uh, well, it's Salem's calls. That there's just I, no clarity. But I here's my question. Do you do you uh, this is my conclusion obviously. I believe at least if Connor Hayward sees the field, it's not because Brad wants him there. I think that the reason Connor is even out on the field is the seniority thing that Mark prides himself on, especially on that play. Do you really think Brad Salem, number one, the call, whatever, fine, it may have been. Do you really think that Connor was out there if Brad Salem had his say? See, that's what I have a hard time answering because I can't envision. That's the thing. I can't envision. But we know Mark likes doing that with running backs. Yeah, no, I don't don't think so. I think it was Mark's call, but I don't think – I think it's disingenuous to say there's no way Salem has Hayward on the field or he has a vendetta against them. Here is the whole reason why I'm so – ardent on the fact that i'm blaming mark for a lot of these things is especially in crunch in the crunch time you saw if you go back in that game and you see the play style and specifically this is where it gets a little a little deeper the formations altered in a way that salem had not done for three quarters when things tighten up coaches tend to overreact they tend to tighten up they get scared that's a thing it's that's just that's a thing and mark has always run with tight ends and fullbacks that became so much more prevalent in the fourth quarter that has to be mark it has to so the first i want to answer a question about hayward first and one thing I have a hard time with and why I have a hard time pinning it all on Mark is, one, I have a hard time seeing a system 
in which your head coach is not only overriding your offensive coordinator, but he's dictating what players are in the game. I would think of any decisions that Brad Salem is actually getting to make, it's the horses that he's sending out there to run these plays with. Now, what we have to understand is, first of all, this was never going to be a true spread attack. This was going to introduce oh, no, spread they concepts. Run pistol. This was I going love to the introduce spread concepts. Well, pistol is kind of a form of spread. This no, I'm aware. That's what they were running in the game. This was going to introduce spread concepts to the blueprint of what Michigan State's done for a long time. It was always going to still be from a similar base. It was just trying to modernize it and work it more to the personnel that you have. And you can understand, Brad Salem's been with Mark D'Antonio a little bit. So to assume that he is so vastly different that he wouldn't make similar decisions to D'Antonio, he might have picked up a lot of what D'Antonio likes to do and is incorporated into his own decision-making. And as far as the formations, what you're saying makes sense. But I can't sit here and definitively say because, again, there's no clarity. But you get why I Do have a doubt. I, for sure. Oh, I mean, this whole season is just reason for doubt. But one thing I look at is you can say, well, they had scored seven points up to that time. Maybe he's mixing it up to try something different. Maybe he's getting to something more familiar to see if they'll have more success. I don't know if that's what's happening because we have no clarity here. But the thing is, what I didn't want to do is kind of what we've done, is we spent so much time harping on this game. And let's be real, first of all, it was miserable to live. It was it was miserable for me to watch. I'm not You're a Michigan me. State fan. And it was, I, I, it was a terrible football game to watch, and I legitimately felt bad for Michigan State for a myriad of reasons. And I don't. They're all losers. I, I also felt extremely bad for Matt. Because this has to hit Matt harder than anyone else. Because not only did he watch his alma mater get abused, but <laughs> no, not my his... alma mater. The team, no, my my team that I was born into, my alma mater. Right. Yeah, oh, man, actually, won Texas Tech on the, to finish off the weekend. Of course, no, he's correct. It's his rivalry life. of my alma mater, the AS who. Yes, fucking Sun Devils. It's with so the lame. worst colors in Why? all the sports. Disagree. That's just wrong. No, that's so the, because the, the, here's the thing. It's because they use these jazzed up versions to make them look better, like they're Oregon, or like we're trying to be like Oregon, also with these stupid ass uniforms. But they have to use them because their actual colors are so Maybe damn we bad. Man, we but they need them sprite <laughs> for television. But yes, it doubly sucked. So the team Matt hates most buried to. his first love, which is just very depressing. But they're not even good. It's more. We can rehash. They're not. How, they're not we good. We can rehash how we got team. to this point for a year. We could spend right. so long dissecting this. Yeah. Let's talk about my. I want to talk about topic. moving forward. Hey, Where yeah. do we go from here? And I listen. I got, we're not going to. We don't me. need to do the whole. Listen. We Fire know, the secondary. Mark. Mark is riding out this season, no matter what. Yes, he is, and he's leaving afterwards. If there's a God in the sky. Where do we go from here? What happens from here? And I want to be realistic about this. You can tell me your dreams, but I want to try to rein this in. Like, don't say, I want... Pete Carroll? No, what is this? What? Oh, Why? Dylan's he said, don't guy, say Pete Carroll. Um, oh, my guy? At Clemson. Brent um, Venables. Yeah, Brent Venables. Uh, He's not coming at MSU. Thanks. I want to be realistic about Thanks. this. Thanks. I want to be realistic about this. He's the perfect this. fit. There's would be no great. better fit. Except he's not going to come. So I'm aware. What? Where do we go from here? And what is the proper blueprint? And we Ooh, all know you I have. I think about this on the reg. All right, Dylan can go first because he's going to ejaculate if we don't. I am. I love this this topic so much because I've been wanting to replace Mark since 2016. Well, it inspires hope. That's the nice thing about these topics. It's all about hope in the future. It, As so, a Michigan uh, fan, I would understand. 
I will bookend my statement with questions to the general public because I think a lot of the discussion of what goes moving forward is how you view the Michigan State job. I, for one, don't think it's nearly as bad as I'm going to guess Paul does. But then again, there's been I'm aware. We've had a lot of times where we've assumed and been completely false. So I'm not going to actually assume that. So I'm going to assume that we're all in agreement that a state is a top 25 job in the country. 25 is not hard. If you really think about it, there's probably not 25 better jobs in Michigan State. So with that in mind, the question becomes, first off, does Mark leave after this year? Uh, especially if they wind up going six and six, seven and five, even eight and four. Uh, I really feel like this, he's not long for this. Uh, I mean, part of the reason why I, I, I believe that is the decisions that he's making now are such, I hate to use such a callous and derogatory phrase, but I'm very much serious when I say Mark has turned into a bitch boy. He is terrified of making mistakes. Like, you scoff, but Mark, in 2010, 12, all all those trick plays, right, that Ryan always talks about in such grandiose terms, right, like Lil Giants or or Rocket or whatever the hell. Like, those were plays that he did because he was on the up and up. Just the Hail Mary. Yeah, it was the punt throw. No, Rocket's the Hail Mary. It was against Northwestern. No. No, no. Well, okay. What was the one against Northwestern? The fake punt on like fourth and sixteen. I have no idea. But Rocket, yeah, was, but Rocket was the hail mary against Wisconsin. Sure. Regardless, so he was making these plays, making the making these risks and whatnot because he wasn't scared. And then in 2015, his former mentor Nick Saban literally tore his soul out. He lost the edge. It's gone, and he needs to leave now. If he does leave. Then the question becomes, who can Michigan State attract? Because I think all of us are are of the opinion that we have a list that may be realistic or not. Everybody is talking about this. I only have three options that I think are viable. My first and foremost is Matt Campbell at Iowa State. If you can succeed in Ames, Iowa, I really want you here. Because Matt Campbell has had a propensity to beat better teams that he has no right defeating. The Oklahomas, the Texas, the Oklahoma States of the world. And I just really think Matt Campbell is a really good candidate to move up in a place that is more viable for that. Outside of that, you have, uh, you know, regional guys and assistants from Notre Dame and what have you. Luke Fickle is a name that I have, a, have really grown with. Ohio ties are a big thing for Michigan State guys because that's a big recruiting base that has helped out Mark a lot. So Luke Fickle is definitely another one that I think would be a great get. The only one that I'm going to criticize is P.J. Fleck because I don't see how it works with the style of the program that we are wanting to run. I don't see it. I don't like it. I have no faith in it. If it were my choice, Matt Campbell, Luke Fickle, one of those kind of guys. It's hard to disagree with that one. I was just seeing who Matt else Campbell's my is, number one. I mean, the good thing with Campbell also is he's young, you know, so it's That's, a coach that could be yeah. here for a long time, you know, have a 15, 20 year tenure at Michigan State uh, and then, you know, hopefully bring some great things along with it. I don't I can't think of a better name with this with the between what he's done and the age that he is only, you know, what, 39, 38, something like he that. He fits the mold for sure. Oh, Absolutely. You know, I was trying to think of like a like a name that's already established, name that's in a place that they don't want to be, 
and it, it might just be batshit crazy. It was just something that came to my head. But like someone like Les Miles, who's at Kansas, oh, no. who's not known for oh. football. Have you seen how they were this year, dude? I don't know about all that. They went into Boston College and smacked them around. But, okay, one thing that I know that has been discussed with um, this sort of coaching hire that I I, I will give credit where credit is due. This is not an original thought of mine, but it's a very salient one, was that Valeni today was talking about how the ideal state candidate is probably somebody with Ohio ties. And Matt, as I'm sure you're looking at with the resume of Matt Campbell, he is an Ohio guy. Mm -hmm. He coached at Toledo. He was born in the state. He was an assistant at Bowling Green and Toledo. That's a guy that has a lot of ties to the circuit of Ohio. And that is all the more reason I think he's such a good, good fit for us. See, I, I get the whole, so you guys have had a lot of success in Ohio. That's, Michigan State has gotten so much of their talent from, I don't want to say the scraps, that is a harsh word, but the guys that Michigan and Ohio State didn't take from Ohio and finding the gems left. Because Ohio does have a lot of talent (laughs) as far as in the Midwest. Because, again, I know you guys hate when I call MSU a regional program, but MSU is not recruiting. I mean, we're talking about Ohio, so... Yeah, well, that's MSU's not re- recruiting blue chips from California, Texas, Florida. Oh, not, <laughs> not a lot. Okay, it's not happening. So, I get the emphasis on D'Antonio's had a lot of su- success doing it, and it's something you want to continue because those high school coaches in Ohio are still very familiar with your program, even though you're on, mm-hmm. on hard times. So, if you bring in a guy who continue that in, in the continuity, I understand it. But what I'm looking for is change. I want to see the program go in a new direction. And it's not a knock on D'Antonio. It's not a knock on everything. Michigan State, to me, needs something fresh because I think Michigan State has become stale. And I don't think that D'Antonio's way of doing things, even if he wasn't a bitch boy and was the coach he was five years ago, as Dylan said, I don't think that would succeed today. I think the Big Ten's changed a lot. I think the game is changing I think Michigan State has gone stale with their head coach. Again, not trying to take shots. It's just how I'm looking at it. I want to see something fresh. My very off-the-cuff, no-experience guy is a is someone who would never be offered the job. And I know I said I don't want to be realistic, but I just want to let it be known out there. I think the most ideal person in the world for Michigan State would be is to hire Kellen Moore. And a lot of people uh, would think that's, that's absolutely absurd. Even remotely I, I know it's not. But so why talk about it? I, because I like this guy so you, much. Okay, so, I have a question. Do you even remotely think that Bill Beekman would even remotely look at this guy? Because if he I doesn't, don't then think, I don't think no point. he knows who Kellen Moore is. Exactly. So I don't really see the point. I'm not trying to undermine you here. I know. It's just, I just I love Kellen Moore. It's like this I, is a guy. Look, I agree. This but. is a guy who, legitimately, at Boise State. People are like, this guy is going to be a coach, like a really good coach. Before he ever even made it in the NFL, this is a guy who has the arm talent of Dylan and who not only was one of the most winning quarterbacks in college football history, but made it on an NFL roster for years as a backup just on what he's got upstairs. Just that's it. And it before most people are done with their NFL career, Gets on the Cowboys coaching staff because they actually have a general manager with foresight. God, I wish I knew what that was like because we had Kellen Moore here in Detroit first. And then very shortly, what, one year after they had him on their coaching staff, we're like, we're going to give this guy the OC job. 
and what has he has done? Turned, He's turned com- Dak Prescott into a god. Modernized their offense. They look so good. Kellen right Moore now. is not someone you're going to hire, but you need to find the Kellen Thanks Moore for the blueprint. You need to find the Kellen right. Moore blueprint. You need to find someone fresh and young and someone who is not going to say, we need to do things this way. Someone that is going to take what is available. How is Matt Campbell not a fit for and that? In Canada. So Matt Campbell to me We can't is all just say Matt Campbell. Is well it's much closer <laughs> to the D'Antonio mold to me. How? I understand his offense is nothing like that at all. His starter for two Nobody's years at Iowa State was a like tight Mark end. D'Antonio's offense, okay. Exactly. Nobody's on so you can no. go with anybody on the board. I know you hate PJ Fleck. PJ Fleck's a guy long time. I don't about. like him. I'm at not all. sure if he would take the Michigan State job, but I have an inkling he might, especially if he has another lack. Of I think they're. Go- I think they're going to hide. They're going to offer it to him. That's what I'm fearful of. They so will the go reason with the I like devil PJ Fleck they know. is you need a recruiter now at Michigan State, and I know that it's I not the Michigan State that. way, but your talent after this year and especially after the next year when everybody leaves there is none you have nobody you're you don't have the diamonds gee i wonder why you don't have blue chips you don't have anybody and the thing is everyone's like well we don't traditionally recruit that's bullshit mark d'antonio coming off his playoff appearance strung together three back to back to back top 25 recruiting classes and missed on a lot of those guys, <laughs> and now the past two years has completely fallen off a cliff. Or, or got kicked and off the, the team. next two years, your recruiting classes are unfathomably bad for a relevant Power Five team. And like because you are, Mark lost it. You are legitimately <laughs> recruiting like Kansas pre Les Miles right now. Actually, they might have out recruited what you are bringing in next year. You what is the point have, of this with what we're talking? You have to have a fresh guy that's going to revitalize the program and energize it no one wants to go to msu right now if they can go to ohio state michigan penn state which i know that you hate but that's reality all these regional programs that you're crew cincinnati cincinnati you talk about ohio cincinnati's out recruiting you right now yeah, a Mac Fickle's really is out recruiting you right now. I, you again, wanted, Luke Fickle you, seems like a good good a candidate for this. He would again. be a great candidate if he did. And he's job, a Cincinnati which guy, he won't, which is the problem. That's the problem. Oh, actually, that it, from what I from, from what I have heard, that is actually not true. Sources if, alert: that, right? If Luke Fickle would take the job, he is yeah. the guy. And I actually, despite thinking he's a massive prick. I think Luke Fickle would be a very good fit for the job. Oh, he, I just don't think perfect. he's going to take the he'd, job. But if you he'd get fan Luke the Fickle, flames against Michigan too. Well, dead ass. Oh, he would do the more only, than fan the, the flames. The only apparently the only fear is is that Fickle if Ryan Day leaves, Fickle's gone to Ohio State. Well, one, why would Ryan Day leave unless it's for the NFL? I guess. But two, who well, cares? that's well, but that's Can all the more, but that's all the more reason. Yeah, well, again, I'm with you. I understand, and I'm saying Luke Fickle is a very viable option if Beekman has the balls. Because, again, it's an Ohio guy, Cincinnati to MSU. It's been done before. He hates Michigan, dead ass, and Ohio State. Say what you will about Michigan State, but post-Nick Saban, our program is basically taking the Ohio State scraps and making them our own. So I told you guys this. What about Jim Tressel? (laughs) I told you guys this before. Uh, Fickle is my guy. But some of the other names um, that even Valeni mentioned today, and I think uh, some would be good, like Josh Hupel, Hupel, 
whatever his name is. Heupel. The head coach Heupel. at uh, at Central Florida. At UCF, yeah. Yeah, age 41. Um, an offensive-minded guy, and that's mainly what I'm – what I would be looking for is a guy just really on the offensive side of the ball. Now, obviously, if you can get a guy who's great defensively, like if Venables would take the job, you're going to prioritize just having a really great coach over somebody that prefers one side of the ball. But, you know, I've seen this story before. I don't want a great defense and then just an average offense because we've seen really where that gets us. Um, And then I do think that the ties to Ohio and different things around the Midwest – I know Chip Long, Notre Dame's offensive coordinator, is another name that was kind of mentioned today. You know, a guy who's already recruited the area um, and, of course, has done so at a high level because he's at Notre Dame. You know, you need somebody with those ties to be able to win here. I understand what Paul's saying where he's want, you know, he wants a different or a change to the program, kind of a different way of doing things. But we're never going to be able to pull those guys from California, the guys from you know Texas or Florida or anywhere like that. So what you need is those guys that you know are maybe not they're recruited by Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, but you know they're not their tier one recruits. Those are kind of those guys' backup plans. And then maybe every now and then you do poach a high four star, low five star guy from. Uh, from one of those programs that they really wanted. But that's how you get to have those chips on those shoulders, and that's really what's worked for Mark and kind of what he's gotten away from is he hasn't been able to mine those uh, mine those gems, if you will, at least on the offensive side of the ball. On the defensive side of the ball, you know, he still has some, obviously some really good players there. But on the offensive side, you need those Midwest ties. So people, one, they're just familiar with the area, um, and it's not – it, it makes sense for them to go to that school as opposed to a kid from California, uh, Florida, Texas, you know, just wherever else has an abundance of talent, but we don't really reach out to. So I guess the to, to cap this. Please I, cap this, this thing. 35 minutes on this trash-ass program. <laughs> no, I mean, this is an interesting. It's it's hey, man, it was a grizzly take. No. Trash. Well, and also, in fairness, as Paul said, I like talking about this because it's it's a hope Right, Mark is done. I think we all agree it's done. He's gonna so, retire, and that's fine. So, so the thing is, is now we're talking about moving forward, and I think it's fascinating to think about that. So, I guess my thing is round table, real quick, starting with Matt. The if at the I'm end of the done. day, in are I you mean, done? You are. You're, you're <laughs> I, have not, I have another name for you guys. Matt said I'm oh. gonna cut it anyway, so oh, you are. Yeah, I, <laughs> I wanted. We I had, had 35 couple. minutes on this one Quickly. topic. So I, so I'm all about fresh and new, and I'm about. This is not I think, quickly. This is not quickly. Guys, we don't need the two minute preface. You guys are going to be screwed preface. regardless what you do, unless you that just is. hit it out of the park. So I think this is a great spot to take a chance. Okay. What if? Okay. What do you guys? What would you? Your reaction be if you hired a guy like Matt Mitchell, head coach of Grand Valley State? No. No. Nope. Why? Yeah. Tell me why. I can tell you a myriad of reasons why. No, that's not why. He's someone that's had absolutely great success. He coaches in Michigan. Where's that Snoop Dogg? I need who? I need no. I need somebody who has been at at least a Group of Five school first. But why? I I have what for? Well, uh, I'll be honest. Primarily for recruiting purposes, but also I'm what? I don't want him because he doesn't have ties to the region. 
I don't have. He coached in Michigan for fifty years. Not no, he's talking about but he's been here a while. I'm talking about Hypo. Oh, yeah, he coached under uh, Bob Stoops. I don't. I have no interest in anybody who has not had ties to the region because I think our success. See, that's my biggest problem. Out of the XFL. I, that is but, my biggest dude, problem. Dude, our, our program's greatest success is when we are able to, to take – again, I'm using this analogy no, because no, it legit works – is take the scraps of Ohio State but and you're do narrow, better. Tell, you're you so, can't tell me Bob so Stoops much. can't recruit. That's the thing. You can't you can no, bring Bob the guy Stoops in isn't here coming and he here. can develop Stop. those relationships and shit. figure it out. XFL. And listen, yours is grand. That's, valid, that's part of dude. the problem is I'm not just talking about Matt Mitchell. The problem with MSU is you narrow your scope on everything. It widen your scope and instead of just trying to get the scraps from the state of Michigan, the state of Ohio, Iowa has some talent. The East has talent. If you well, rate I mean, Pennsylvania in those areas, Indiana, you're telling me that Illinois, if I, it, you can no, pull guys I'm not, out I'm not of here. Ta- Look, here's another reason. This is all the more reason why I asked about the top 25, about where the job, the program is, is because if we're a top 25 school, we don't need to be fucking around with the Matt Mitchells of the world. We don't. Simple as that. But how so. do you know that he's not the next? Luke you Fickle. could fu- you could say that about a ton of guys, and I'll give you an example. The North Dakota State coach, uh, Craig, I, it starts with a B. I don't remember. I don't remember his last name. He went to Wyoming, and he was one of the most successful FCS coaches of all time. And he went to Wyoming, dude. He didn't just go to Colorado or go to Nebraska. He went to Wyoming but for a of, reason. So, would you rather hire him, or would you rather hire in house and hire Trussell? I would never hire anyone in house. I I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. I don't so want anyone associated so with this program. If we if Mark retired today, Trestle's the odds-on favorite for this job most likely. Well, I mean, if he retired sure. today, it's different because it's in season. Yeah, because that's I, I mean, you're not going to grab I mean, I mean for after this year. I mean full time. I get what you mean. I I if they hire from within, it's going to be we're going to start seeing like Bobby Williams levels of bad. I will so, say, so you all agree that hiring from within is a terrible idea, correct? Oh, yes, I don't think anyone with a brain. Says another that quick thing about Fickle is if you're worried about Ohio State poaching him, if they do, that means he's done a great job here. The, I'm not it worried has. about that at all. I, I that's not so. That's especially when you're Michigan State, you're not Alabama. Again, why are you doing this? If it's a top 25 job, stop trashing it like we, not we're just going to get high school. Are, I'm not trashing the job, but not all top You're 25 acting like we're, we'll, be, get, we'll be granted if we get Dakota's high school coach. Stop like, it. My point is. That's what you're acting the last like. Thing you need to be so you guys about, really need to go after Josh. The last yeah. thing you need to be worried about, unless you're <laughs> talking about 90-year-old dudes, is how long is this coach going to be here? If he has great success and leaves, it's whatever. But, interesting, interesting that you say that because Matt Campbell got a request from the New York Jets for their coaching position and declined it. Just saying. That's the As kind of dude coach? who's going to stick her. Yeah. Stop. Matt Campbell was was getting NFL coaches calling him, and he said no. Uh, to take a head coaching job. Yes. I need a I am not stuck. I yeah, can, I can that's, that's not great for our prospects. I'm not going to lie. I need, to, I need a source for that. Yeah, that's not good for you guys if he's, if he's turned on NFL Look, jobs. And also another thing about Matt Campbell, in his four years, again, at Iowa State – he has already beaten in three seasons, because obviously this is his fourth. He has beaten five top 25 teams, three top 10 teams. I, I have a question for you. How many times has he beaten his in-state rival? I don't know if I would say that that is a kind of I'm barometer asking. to give him. I think it's very important considering the job that you want him to walk into. 
Uh, he hasn't beaten them yet. Exactly. They should have. I'll be I honest. They should have this Saturday, though. Fans. I, I, but again, I think that they absolutely outplayed. I don't think it's a tough sell if he's out here turning weekend. down NFL jobs. <laughs> I think it's like well, so <laughs> so we're all in agreement so, regardless. So, Michigan State, D'Antonio is done after this season. They what need is a so, fresh start, not from yes. within. So roundtable, real quick, starting with Matt to get him back into the conversation. Everybody, real quick, at the end of the day, let's say January, we get a hire or February or whatever, sometime in 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 the winter. If Michigan State does hire a new person, who do you legit think is the person they'll hire? Matt. Lane Kiffin. Hey. That's not I, I, I would I would like that. Uh, I would love it would, that. It would be hype for all the wrong reasons. I it feel dirty so about it. It would be fun. It would be no fun, but we'd also suck ass. Because he'd be out here talking talking about big big ladies fighting in fast food restaurants and saying, "Hey, why don't you play for Michigan State?" I, I, I don't want that. I don't want why that. Why not? They couldn't be worse than our what seventh offensive or seventh left tackle <laughs> no. wrong right now. But I genuinely uh, hope I'm wrong. I think they would hire Mike Tressel, and if not, uh, I, I, think I, I think they would go down down the ill fated Narduzzi path. I think they okay. would hire Tressel as well, and I do want to get this on. The cast, because we're going to cut it so I can't get super ridiculed, is I don't think this season is quite over yet. Oh, it's, it's it, 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 over. It, it, it might be a last over. hurrah. So don't be surprised gonna if be, you see them it's gonna be an eight and still contending for the Big Ten. If Beekman was any semblance of an action, like if we still had Mark Hollis, obviously he's a shit bag, but if Mark Hollis was still our AD, I think we could get Campbell. I think legitimately we will get Luke Fickle. I'm very serious about that. Good. That's better. I I don't know. I I'm I'm torn. I, I really it's am. Better, but it's super. It's close. <laughs> and I'm, I, I, know, I, I, I I legitimately think that Luke Fickle is not. We easily could do it. I mean, I as would long as Mark doesn't dictate it. I mean, that's an A hire for Michigan State. For sure. Now, I, the I, one thing that I want to stress: you have to give, unless he's just an abomination. You're like, holy crap, this guy's in over his head. You have to give whoever it is five years. He needs five years. Oh, yeah. I, I think we're all in agreement on that because the first two years are going to be dead. It's so much change, and you're inheriting, honestly, a super similar situation to what Harbaugh did outside of the fact that you guys are going to win way more than five games this year. Fair. All right. I think that wraps it. That was I think that was a good discussion, for real. So Michigan-Wisconsin, pretty easy game summaration. Jonathan Taylor, good. Michigan, bad. I know we're going to get to our picks a little bit later, so I don't know if we're t- supposed to talk about like who's going to win the game yet or what we think on the final outcome. But just as far as the game in general, it's really Michigan's first big, big test. Obviously, they survived the scare against Army two weeks ago, had the bye week come at the perfect time for them. I don't know if they're going to have uh, who's a DPJ back or some of the other guys that they've been missing. What? All right. So I don't know if they're going to have DPJ back or some some of the other guys that uh, that they've been missing. But Wisconsin's obviously looked really good. Michigan had had the struggles that I just mentioned. It should be an interesting game. There's a lot of talk about the offense and is it really that much improved under Josh Gaddis. And this is really kind of the litmus test for Michigan moving towards the rest of the season. And, you know, and just in week four, it could be a game, especially since it's a conference game, that really makes or breaks their season. 
So you would know what we were talking about if you waited for me to introduce it. But that's all right. Ew. He had a great intro. <laughs> I mean, Dylan he? told me to go. So Dylan had a great, or Dylan Ryan had a great follow-up to what would have been an intro. I mean, we just talked about intro. how Michigan needs Michigan State needs a fresh start. Well, Michigan needs a mid-season reboot, even though we're not really to mid-season yet. Coming off a of bye week, terrible. Intro. This game feels bigger than I think a lot of people imagined it being at the beginning of the season. Dylan especially was down on Wisconsin, in in large part. I'm so wrong. Well, you I'm have so to understand wrong. that Dylan was not wrong in his thinking. You're replacing four of your five starters on offensive line and yeah they turn out guys like nobody's business but that's still a tall ask you're breaking in a new quarterback and yes we know Hornerbrook sucked but still again a tall ass just a lot of a lot of changes Cone's been good man but Ryan said Michigan's bad and that's a little Ryan hyperbole but Michigan certainly hasn't been what people expect them to be this game feels like it means so much for Michigan going forward but in the grand scheme of things does it really? So I want to hear from you guys. Not just we're gonna in picks. We'll kind of talk about who's gonna win this game, and we already know based on bets made earlier this week. But I got a good line. I got a good line. A little bit of the matchups in this game. What's gonna pose trouble for both teams, and what we expect to see on the field. But also, what does this game mean for both of these programs this season? How important really is it for both teams? So. I'll take the lead on this because I had a question that apparently Paul's answered marginally. But I think that the feeling in general is this is it. This is the moment for Jim. Not Ohio State at the end of the year. Not Michigan State, Notre Dame. Any of the crazy amount of difficult games that they have moving forward. Because that schedule is crazy. This feels like the game where the fan base is either going to quit or they are going to stay. And whether or not that is an accurate sentiment, as Paul has made pretty clear, is that Michigan is either will know whether Michigan is is closer to Nebraska and Tennessee at the end of Jim's term. But my feeling is is this is this is it as well. I think this is the this game is going to show whether Jim is able to salvage and create something here, or if he's going to be the same as his predecessors in the sense of not attaining actual accomplishments. And the reason is not whether or not they win or lose the game itself. It's that, again, the schedule is so damn hard moving forward, you can't afford to have a game like this and drop it right after a bye week where you look so bad. The fan base is going to turn. The pressure is going to, come, is going to be turned up. And far more importantly, and it's the biggest thing, is a quarterback controversy cannot be the thing you have for a season like this with the schedule. And if that is the case, big trouble ahead. And I'll say more about who wins or loses, but this is the turning point for this game because it is a referendum on the season, which will in turn tell us whether Jim can actually salvage Michigan or not. Well, there's not going to be a controversy because it's going to be simple. If Shea Patterson plays like crap, if he continues to be loose with the football, he's going to get pulled. And there's not going to be a controversy because, A, McCaffrey's capable on his own, and the fan base already wants it. So I, I don't see much controversy playing into but it. But you either. remember how this went last time in Wisconsin. I'm just saying. But one of two things is, well, last time in Wisconsin, our quarterback got a concussion, and then we had John O'Corn, and it was a bad time. But... The, it's simple. Shea Patterson's either going to play a good game and he's going to win the fan base back or he's going to get yanked. There's not going to be an in-between. So I don't really see 
necessarily controversy. One of the things that I, I disagree with you wholly on, yet agree with you, it's that, what did you say a couple weeks ago? The um, uh, the best statement of all time. Yeah, repeat <laughs> it for me. I don't, I don't remember the word. I don't want to mess it up. Oh, man. Polar uh, opposite just, uh, agreeance or I'm something? Polar oppo- we polar oppositely agree. Yeah, so you're a spot on about the fans. If Michigan struggles in this game, and God forbid, the fallout will legitimately be worse than the reaction from MSU's loss this weekend. It really will be. And that's the both the platform and the expectation and I, our toxic yeah. fan base. And it's true, Michigan fans out there, whether you're part of the toxic part or not, we have an extremely toxic culture as a fan base in Michigan, which is not unlike a lot of large schools, but it is worse here than a lot of places. They will. It will be like vultures. It'll be people will literally, literally, as absurd as it is, call for Jim Harbaugh's job. Now that won't be the majority, but people will. That's how bad it will get. But in the grand scheme of things, as far as actual on-field, this game is outside of a confidence booster, borderline meaningless. Now, it is massive for so many things for the offense getting on track for a, a nice turning point for the season for building things up as we go. But losing this game has legitimately no impact on both the Big Ten race for Michigan and the playoff race for Michigan. Because if Michigan wins out, they win, they win both. They win, the, they win the Big Ten, and they make the playoff. So this game, if but they lose, it is not— How do you not, have confidence in them winning out if they don't win I'm not—so, no. If you want to say it's a sign that they're not going to get it done, that's fine. But I'm talking about as far as win-loss, as far as just the win-loss itself, it's not that big of a deal. Like, you can easily recover from this. I, I almost – similarly – So, oh, I agree with that. You can easily 2015 when you guys lost to Nebraska, it was stupid. That was late in the year. And it sucked. Though. But at the end of the day, it wasn't that big of a deal. It, it and we, yeah, the dude also ran across state lines to Iowa <laughs> and back in order to catch the fucking pass. Oh, he reestablished himself. He re- he reestablished thirty I'm years not, I'm later. Kidding, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> so we went ahead to play Bama that, year, at least not the first weekend. <laughs> the bigger question would be is how they lose and does this team fold? The most frustrating well, that was, thing that was for my me. Follow-up. The most frustrating thing is I see. Is all this Michigan can't win big games, Michigan's 0-6 is an underdog under Harbaugh. It's absurd. So the big game thing, every single game that Michigan plays against a team with a pulse is a big game until they win it, and then the bar moves. Last year, we had eight big games, but at the end of the year, only two of them were big games. They were the two that we lost. So that that's this always ever moving goalpost. So that narrative is ridiculous on its own. But the zero and six thing, there is legitimately one game that Michigan was an underdog in that they. Why had are you talking Art straw man's that we didn't talk about? I because this is the narrative. Because it's what everyone talks there. about. It's it is important. It, it is. is the whole Jim Harbaugh zero and six is an underdog. It's, it's out it's there. All but it's, all but it's also disingenuous. But it's important to address because this is what people look at this game. And this is the how they frame it. Okay, this is how people are framing this game, and it's inaccurate. And I want to address it from a realistic standpoint. I know that you guys know better, but people listening don't necessarily, because this is all they hear from the talking heads all week and in print and on the radio. So you look at the six games we were underdogs in. 
Three of them were against Ohio State. A handful of them were in 2015. The first one, Utah, 2015. No one there had was Michigan no way. You were not there's no way that was going to ever. Yeah, like, in a million years. The on. only game that Michigan had a real chance in, and most of them, half of them, John O'Connor were playing, the only game Michigan had a legitimate chance in that they were an underdog under Harbaugh was Columbus 2016. And what happened? They should have won that game. They got, however you want to put it, you cannot say that they played terribly and shit the bed that day. They looked like the better team during that game. And that was the one game that the other five games, they didn't have a prayer of well, winning. Well, and so, in, in fairness, that number also is, it's very disingenuous, as you said, partially because you're favored so much more. Like, people will talk about how Mark does so well as an underdog. Well, we also are an underdog a lot more than Michigan. Which is an extremely so. astute point. You say, if Michigan's an underdog... They are a real underdog. Like it's going to be a surprise if they win because the spread. I am does surprised that you were not an underdog in Iowa, though. That that's really weird. I, it must have been like a minus. But one you don't get credit just for being the overdog, if you want to call it that, or the favorite. Where Dandy Reed. Which is fine. Well, no, Which but, I'm not asking, but right? it's just for that. Stat. But to sit that's there, to saying. sit there and be like, well, Michigan it's can't dishonest. get it done because they're zero and six in these games. It's it's absurd, and it's it's also such a small sample size. But whatever, they are a dog in this game. A Three and a half point dog, I think now at least three. I'd have to check the <laughs> not thing. when I bet no, it. Not when you bet it. It's it's moved quite a bit. Well, not even it moved. That's what it opened for the official line of the week. I don't know. Last week was funky when they had their early lines, Ayo. but the early lines always are. I mean, fucking. <laughs> they saw Michigan State said, "Fuck, Michigan ain't that bad." <laughs> Matt, I want to hear because you've been extremely quiet. You barely even talked during Michigan State. You you got it all Death out of the way early silent. and then fell asleep. So I want to hear what you think first before I get into anything. You already got into it. What are you talking about? <laughs> Before he gets into it. <laughs> right. I right. am shocked that when Paul was mentioning Michigan, he was referencing games not from this year. <laughs> I what? I don't get it. <laughs> what am I missing? I, I, don't, I don't think it's that straightforward just because we still don't know what Wisconsin is. Come on, look who they start up against. You start off against South Florida, and then you go up against Central Michigan. No, 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 no. Physical look, in, we know they're a good position. team. I said they were going to be a good team. I picked this team to win this side of the Big Ten. Yeah, yeah. So, obviously, I thought they were going to be in. So did Ryan. <laughs> and so, I thought this was going to be a damn good team anyway. But, come on, the 40-something points, the 60-something points to start, you have 100-plus points through two games. You're not playing anybody to start this season. And these are not the years that Central Michigan is the years where they go up against Purdue and beat them in bowl games and all that. This is not the same uh, Michigan team right now. And this is not the same South Florida team as that somebody was who said ago. that who so, somebody who said that Wisconsin was not going to be very much this year. Again, I get it. I understand. They've started a hundred and something to nothing on the season. So yeah, everyone. 110 but to that, zero in their first two games. So yes, there's going to be a giant. But he's not overreacting when it's that big of a disparity. Was, have they played a power five team? No. Of, of your own opinion, apparently. But no, <laughs> no, not until no, no, absolutely not. They're not. I think they're going to be a good team. I said they're going to be a good not. team. But this good. Again, no, this good and the fact that this line is what it is. This team is I'm trash. I can't believe they didn't score 150 no, points. Trash. Jack Cohen has already shown that he is way better than the schmuck Pony he Brooke? used to be That's in That's the whole Pony Brook. Him and every other right, quarterback is so terrible. Point. All right, we all know what Taylor is. As far as running backs go, you can't really name a better one of the country, or there might be one. Uh, tra- so Travis, 18. We know what Taylor's going to bring. 
Ah, oh, man. I, was it A-10? Michigan is getting a lot of hate because they had a very close game, not a very well-played game against a very good Army team that we've seen be good that, for a while. Like every intelligent person said was going to be a hard game for them and then redacted a week before the game. Right, because they didn't do – they didn't blow out rice how, the week before. They? And as if playing down to your competition and looking ahead to the next week doesn't happen, especially with college kids. I just think it's crazy that you that you're just doing a complete 360 on your own opinion. Like, <laughs> I'm not. It's not. No, my opinion was Wisconsin's the best in the West, and that they will be the team to beat in the West. I stand by that. I still think there are two to three teams better in the East than that's they fair. are. Matt, and Matt, that Michigan is, no, is one consistent. of those teams. But again, that's I just consistent. don't that's think fair. that you can. Like, I get the whole. Oh well, they played nobody, but it's not about the it's not about the score itself. It's about how, it, it, as Mich- Michigan State people know that, like twenty thirteen, for example, like we literally destroyed the souls of our opponents. We broke their wills, and Wisconsin so far has done that. I don't care if they only scored ten points. If this was the way they've been playing on the line in both directions, they have destroyed their opponents. They just broke their soul. Yeah, and this is a school that's known but for having not great like this. last year was an injury filled aberration. Like this. this is, and they also have a Heisman candidate which is running all the back. More reason why, when it comes to against Michigan, as I had said last week, if Michigan is using their speed in space. That is where I think that there is a very legitimate chance of them winning this game. The problem is, is that I think that Wisconsin may again break Michigan's soul. Like I, this Wisconsin front is just something else. And if you want to say otherwise, because they played Central or South Florida or Central Michigan, fine. But this seems like a really special line group, even by Wisconsin standards. I, I think it's early to say that, since they're all new. But th- this game comes down. You, I said it was complicated, and you want to simplify it, so I'll simplify it a little bit. Too. Are you down talking? Cliche thing. The hell? To, to, yeah, to, to me. You. Fuck off. But I'm not down talking you. You're the one that was like, no, it's super simple. I said simple. that it comes down to one thing. I'll Those are your in, words. I'll put it in terms right. you can understand. Those were your because words. Because I don't want to have a dissertation Anyways, on this because. The thing that's going to be huge is the most cliche thing in the world. It's turnovers. If one of these teams wins the turnover margin by two or more, they're winning the game, period. And Hot Michigan's got to fix their fumble issues, period. If they fumble the way they fumbled the first two weeks, they don't have a prayer in this Eric game. <laughs> I don't expect that to happen. Don't expect that to happen at all. That's some Madden-level analysis right there. But I think it is heightened in this game because Michigan – has been an abomination in that category the first two weeks, and it hasn't mattered because they've been better than the teams they're lining up against. It can't brandle it's going to matter. And what people kind of forget about a little bit, though, is much of a disappointment as the offense has been for Michigan. Two things are extremely important. The first is on the offense that's obviously going to get better every single week. This offense is a lot like Joe Moorhead's at Penn State. Everyone talks about Josh Gaddis coming from Alabama. This offense is way more similar to Moorhead's offense at Penn State in 2016 than it was Bama's last year. Not that both were not good, but they were very different. The reason I bring that up is Penn State 
That's the year they got obliterated, like 40-something to frickin' three or whatever it was against Michigan, but then ended up winning the Big Ten and going to the Rose Bowl and dropping 50 points. They averaged like 20-some points in the first half of the season and then like 45 in the second half of the season. It was an offense. They're I'm really sorry, is Saquon Barkley on your team? And get rolling. Um, oh, yeah, no. pretty much. Don't, don't, don't oh, get no. him started. Oh, no. Yeah, pretty much, Jesus yes. Fucking Christ. And it, it, oh, I would God. so... That was Saquon's sophomore was year or freshman year? year? If I'm not mistaken, yeah, it, was. it was not. Who has the better running back on Saturday, Paul? <laughs> oh no, jo- Jonathan Taylor is a better running back at, at, at this, this point, point, but he's also been doing oh it a lot longer. God. Oh, Zach Charbonnet, Zach Charbonnet, when he gets to that point. Oh yeah, just like Shea Patterson, right, buddy? You you ejaculating that, that he exists. <laughs> I never, tell me, tell me where I said Shea Patterson. You literally have sexual pleasure dreams about it. Tell me. Wait, 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 wait. So you don't? So, so you, you, your standards are so low. You <laughs> jerk off to not top five quarterbacks. We were going from John O'Corn. I would have jerked off to you. Yeah, and you the were ball. going from Chris Evans or whatever the fuck his name was. <laughs> so, no, I, we have a really good, really good. Back, Who's which better was your than point Heisman? That. He's obviously not Saquon, he, but. Saquon wasn't what made that offense go. He was a big part of it, but if you watch that team, it was a lot oh, more shit, than Saquon. But it was a big part of it. It takes time. The biggest thing was, what was everyone's concern coming into the season for Michigan? The biggest weakness. It was the defense. <laughs> and the defense has actually been the pleasant surprise thus far. The defense has actually played better than expected, especially in the secondary. And the best thing is... Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, no. I can't let you do that. I can't. I cannot let you do that. How what? many times did Army what? throw the freaking ball in that game? You want to talk about your secondary. You got tested eight times in a football game. Get the hell out of here. Obviously, I'm not talking about Army. Then why are you talking touting up your secondary after even, one I game? Didn't think they threw it, I didn't even throw it, think they threw it. What eight the hell times. is this? Because, because the narrative in the off season was after one game you one can't say your secondary looks awesome. Yeah, Ar- Army absurd. probably would have won if they only threw it seven times. <laughs> I, I'm telling you what it's it is. You can you can choose to think it's inaccurate, and when every team gets shut down through the air against Michigan, you can revise it. I'm I'm telling you what reality is, and you can. Uh, say, you're going to oh, need that secondary size. You... That's fine. I'm telling you, the secondary is better than expected, and will yeah, be better after than after than having a quarterback that threw. Eight times. The Hang defense. With, without all this shit talking, we're going to find out this weekend because Jack Cohn has thrown for five touchdowns in two games and plenty we, of we yards. Are, we are no interceptions. Fourteen so incompletions. We're going to see. That's it. That's Fourteen incompletions. The, the defense has been better like than expected. Passes. In the the thing is, in the, what people are really going to see and be shocked this weekend is things are going to be a lot easier for the defense. Michigan How is it going to be easier playing against Johnson to start the season? Because they play two gimmick offenses to start the season that are like nothing they see the remainder of the year, that are not what they prepare for, and not the way that they play defense. It'll we be played, easier to know what the offense is going to do. We played a 3-3-5. We were playing a 3-3-5 for most of the first two games. That's but, not okay. Michigan defense. We did it because we adapt. That's not our defense. Playing Wisconsin, we get to play the defense that we are best at. We get to line up the way we want to line up. Instead of being dictated, Don Brown's thing is he is going to dictate what the offense Highly does, not the offense. We couldn't do that the first two weeks. 
That is what you're going to see this week. That is the biggest difference is this defense is better than expected. So if it takes longer for the offense going forward, that's going to be okay. What is going to be the difference in this game is Jonathan Taylor in that run game. Yeah. If this young offensive line blows Michigan State, Michigan's defense of line off the ball, if those D tackles cannot get it together and part of its health Part of it might be playing freshman if Mozzie Smith and Chris Excuses are stacked already. Be ready. It's not ex- – we're talking about matchups. This is what, honestly, and I don't want to be a dick right now, but this is the most annoying thing in the world, whether you're joking or not, is you can never talk about reasons or matchups without, oh, it's excuses. This is football. This is well, what football what is about. It's about how things match up. It's about Dylan and every – it's funny Dylan made fun of you for being like a talking radio head, except that's what he falls back on is the talking radio You're right, because I can't, I can't just oh, troll. Excuses. You you're didn't right, get it you're done. Right, you're right. Jesus Christ. So, relax. right there, not the trenches in general, specifically Wisconsin's O-line versus Michigan's defensive line, that is going to decide the majority of this game. I think Michigan's offense is going to have to be buttered and breaded through the air. I can actually feel Dylan's mood change. (laughs) It was weird. I felt like it like crawl, like darkness, like crawl across my chest. <laughs> like, like the symbiote crawl. I'm gonna simplify this game for you, and then when I fucking troll, he's acting like that's my opinion. You're the one that said it was simple. S- You're the one that was like, ah, this is just like a one yes, thing. Yes, because I don't want to be talking about this game for forty fucking minutes. Okay, and, and Matt didn't want to spend forty minutes on MSU, but here we are. I have a question: with these two teams, these two defenses. What's do we know the over under yet? Forty three. Along with the spread, the, for not forty eight. So I, I mean, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking look at it alike. right now. So, you know. It's 43. But where are you looking 43. at it at? Because it was okay. 48. Nobody shit, uses Shit can change. It's 43. It was, who the, who the was, hell is ESPN? <laughs> but it it was 48 when you got your line locked in. That's a huge difference. 43 is a really, really small number. I want to add the over-under to our picks. We're not adding the over/under, but we can. I want to add the over/under. Do it right now. You're taking the over. No, I was taking the under. I can see like you know, like a 16-13 game. I think this could. When I hear, I think this could very much be just like 2016, where the game could be like a touchdown difference, but it's really not. Wasn't it like 17-7 or something? 14-7. 14-7. Yeah. No, it's 14-7. You're right. It's 14-7. Hey, that's what I think this game is going to be like. It's going to be one of those games where the team that won, the spread will not indicate that. I still can't believe the over-under is 43. It's minuscule. As riveting as this Wisconsin-Michigan game is going to be, last Sunday, we I watched one of the worst football games I've ever seen in my life. And we don't have to spend a lot of time on this. <laughs> that is saying a lot when you're talking about the team you're talking about. It is saying a lot, but because it was super ugly for both teams, both teams actively trying not to win the game. Oh, the yeah. Detroit Lions played a very good but very depleted L.A. Chargers team, and they won, which is the best thing I can say about the game. But, I don't, again, not something I want to super dissect, but really you guys can hit it from whatever angle you want. Again, going forward, what does this mean other than the season isn't over yet? Uh, it means the Lions are lucky that the Chargers are as boneheaded as an organization as Detroit. They just have better talent overall, which is why they actually have some playoff wins. But 
I covered this team in San Diego. The ownership was just as imbecile as the Detroit Lions ownership was. They had issues from top to bottom. Uh, they actually could bring in head coaches, something Detroit's not known to be able to do. But you saw what I saw, which was God knows what mistake after mistake. Three times a touchdown taken away by the Chargers that could have helped ice the game for them. Uh, we saw just ridiculous – well, two – one of them I still think was very, very questionable. I don't know about that block in the back. I didn't see much contact. I saw a lot of side on that body as well for what little contact there was. But a win's a win. I thought this team was going to go 4-12, and and then we tied one of the games I thought we were going to win. So 4-12 and became 3-11-1, and and now it might be 4-11-1 because I did not see them beating this Chargers team right before they take on a road of death coming up for this team. I saw still a lot of coaching errors from the Lions, mainly not giving Carrion Johnson the ball enough. You saw C.J. Anderson in there a lot. Stafford had some nice runs himself, but now C.J. Anderson is cut, and they picked up who? Paul Perkins. I'm not super worried about the kicks that Prater missed. He's a good kicker overall. What I didn't like was seeing Agnew out there returning punts. I don't like that he's still on the team. I don't like seeing Danny Amendola returning punts either. I'd rather it be Ty Johnson. And it's just, you know, it's still bad offensive. Well, I'll say Stafford was, was hurried. They, obviously, they didn't get any sacks. The uh, the Chargers didn't with Ingram and Bosa, Bosa there. That's impressive. It was. And Tyrell Crosby played, uh, played well, you know, kind of given the situation that he was thrown into. So, shout out to him there. We still don't know the situation with Taylor Decker. But that's not something that I expect to be kept up throughout the course of the year. So I think really just kind of what you learned is sort of confirmation for at least the Lions end of it is not that people thought they were, but, you know, they're not really contender in the NFC, not with the other good teams. Now, some of the other teams lost some of their key players this week, you know, most notably the Saints, which might help the Lions down the road, but they still look, you know, kind of far, far worse than some of the other better teams in the NFC. But, you know, it is a win that they were able to end up escaping with. Some bad throws by Stafford in the end. Thank God they didn't really, you know, matter. But just mistakes from both teams, and the Lions were able to play, you know, or more mistake-free than the Chargers were. So it's a good win because it's a win, but it did not certainly look pretty, and it's not one that I think would necessarily, you know, give you confidence moving forward. I don't mind literally anybody but Jamal Agnew returning kicks. Jamal Agnew is trash, and I don't know why we're devoting our time to him, but since we are, I'm just going to shit on him because he is the person <laughs> I despise more on this team than anybody besides the coaching staff. It disgusts me that he's on this team, yet we're cutting. I thought we were going to cut him. We didn't cut him. It'd be three years late if we did cut him, but better late than never. This man sucks. He's blind. He is not shifty. He does not break tackles. He does not run through people, around people, over people. The only thing that he has Ooh. is he's fast. So if there's completely green, Jamal Agnew, so if he's completely green grass and there's a huge lane, yeah, he can house it because he's fast. So can a lot of people in the NFL. He is trash man. And everyone's like, oh, he was an all-pro. Yeah, so was Tariq Cohen. <laughs> he was an all-pro. <laughs> I was so disappointed at the non-reaction from care. Dylan. It's petty. It's not petty. It's glorious. Wait, hang on. You're the guy that goes after Michigan every chance you I get. You should respect at, it a little no, bit. Because, because I don't do oh. lazy shots. Dylan. That's a difference. 
I I think it was actually quite comparable. But regardless, this man was an all-pro literally because no AP media member is paying attention to the return game across the NFL. They look at a couple stats. He had a couple returns for a touchdown that year, and they were like, wow, this guy must be all right. He's not. He's absolute trash. Even if he couldn't, even if he could hold on to the ball and didn't fumble, he's still trash. But he can't even do that. So this man needs to go. I don't mind Amendola on punts. I do want to see Ty Johnson. I've been all about him since we drafted him. I love Ty Johnson. I really liked him at Maryland, and I think he should be returning kicks and punts. But I don't mind Amendola because on punts, it's a lot more about shiftiness than speed, so it doesn't bother me that much that he's old. He's still very agile, and he's a smart football player, and that's that's a lot more important on Except punts. Except when he stays in bounds. I would prefer, yeah, right? I would prefer Ty Johnson, but I'm okay with Amendola. But legitimately anybody outside of Agnew. But that's, we don't need to talk about that. That's whatever. Not a big deal. The important thing is we won the game. And if you told me at the beginning of the season, you offered me the Lions can start 1-0-1. I'm taking that 10 times out of 10. Like, I'm thrilled about that. I, I look at our schedule and I look at, yeah, we got to beat Arizona, but you're probably going to lose to the Chargers, who are a Super Bowl contender, and then we'll go from there. So you give me one 0-1, and I'm half a game ahead in my eyes. The Chargers, obviously, circumstances change throughout the season. They're depleted, whatever, but the Chargers are still a very good football team. Even though they didn't look like it, they didn't look like it at all, but the Chargers are a good football team. They played their absolute worst game, but it didn't matter. And you say, now without Derwin James, listen, I'm not as much on the Derwin James bandwagon as anybody i got derwin james jersey but their backups played really well adrian phillips has performed really well in derwin james absence and of course he has because if you're a safety named adrian you're pretty darn good what other safeties are named adrian oh amos that's it amos that's it <laughs> i i'm this everything i say is for dylan and he's just completely all over his head. i'll be honest i'm looking at the uh, north carolina tar heel schedule right now because i could give a fuck less about your team so rude i just don't care at all i mean Regardless, my team found our kicker is so well let's as Adrian phillips have played and he it doesn't arrow. matter because He's also on IR with James now because we murdered him. But regardless, the Chargers are a good team. And the most frustrating thing and the thing that matters going forward, and I said it after Arizona, and I said it before the season, actually, if you remember during our NFC North preview, and I'm going to say it again now, is everyone hailed this defensive line before the season. And I said, hold up. We are a run-stopping defensive line in 2019. You can't pass rush for shit. We have no pass pass rush. rush And the pass rush has been even worse than it should be. We spent $17, $18 million a year for Trey Flowers. I can't recall hearing Trey Flowers' name called this season. Where he's talking about? He, he, he hit, he, he hit uh, where he he a couple been, times last he week. He hit ben. pretty fucking hard on one play. He has zero sacks. Oh, don't be that guy. Has don't be, how many pressures? Yeah, don't how, be many pressures? Two. how many pressures? Two on the season. All right, that's better. Two pressures? Our run, our run defense wasn't so hot last week either. That's the other problem. It wasn't that like hot either in the two sucks. weeks. So the Can one we thing that we're – we legitimately have like a third of our cap tied up into the defensive line. Mm. Like we were paying between B.J. Daniels and Snacks and Trey Flowers. Like we have an absurd amount of money tied up to the defensive line. And the one thing we should be really good at run defense, we've been shaky, and we have no pass rush. We legitimately played with the injuries that the Chargers have, a bottom five offensive line in the NFL, which is saying a ton because there's a lot of bad line play in the NFL. We Leave talked about this last week. 
We couldn't get home. We couldn't pressure Philip Rivers but a couple times, man. We didn't make him uncomfortable. You have a terrible offensive line that's starting backups everywhere and an immobile pocket passer, and you are not sacking this question. man constantly. And what you are you gave doing? up his longest run in I, five years. I have a what are you doing? Question. So the what? baby's your That matters going forward. What's your question? About, like, like in the grand scope of things, what, what's your point? Like, why are we even talking about this team? What's the, what's the point of, of, of this discussion? I'm not answering the, that question. The point I'm is the Lions are, in, are second in the NFC North. I'm not answering okay. that question. <laughs> yeah. Going forward, that is the biggest problem I foresee. You just answered my Even question. Even more than the <laughs> offensive line woes. Even more than the offensive line woes. That is going to be the biggest problem. And Ryan loves on Johnson, right? And I think Carrion right. is a good player. And he ran hard. And he made He's good no David Montgomery, though. outside of not catching the ball well last week. He made good decisions when the ball was in his hands. And yet, behind our offensive line, he still only averaged 3.4 yards a carry last week. That's how bad our offensive line is. And he had what I would call speaking, a good game. Speaking of he a good game, yards a carry because we can't you block. got Trubbs climbing climb the pocket for to set up the kick for Eddie De Niro. Hey, that's right. That's not that is name. absolutely his name. That's right. You called Eddie him. Money. Yeah. Definitely. Eddie Dinero. Oh, is Eddie is Eddie Money dead? Oh, Jesus! He is actually. <laughs> no, that's his nickname. Is Eddie Dinero? Because wait, did you not know that no, he died I like did, this week? But no, I did. But he no, Dylan, not you. Dylan I mean Dylan. Dylan that Dylan is the nickname on then, the subreddit then, for him. Is Eddie Dinero? And then tears it tears into his mudslide. Hey, um, let's <laughs> go. The Bears won as the first team to beat Denver in Mile High in the opener. That's right. Because Denver is just Dude, a Dude, you can't do that. Year. When a team wins 17 straight. Says the guy trying been, to talk there Chicago have been while we're way, talking Lions. way, way worse Denver teams what? that have won in that 17 years. Didn't Florida years. win like 40 games in the opener? What? Didn't Florida win like 43 opening games? This is an NFL, this is an NFL team first off. Thank you for playing. And second off, 17 straight, and now they're 17 and 1. And everybody's like, oh, Vic Fangio, he knows everything about about the, the, the Bears team. Well, he didn't see Mr. Trubisky climb in that pocket for a W. So I don't know hey. why we're talking about the Bears who needed hey. a bullshit penalty. And I don't know what you're talking about. To beat a team they should have I have no idea what you mean. But I'm sorry, who? Regardless, what? back to the <laughs> Lions. Trubisky had 120 yeah. yards. This game, this and game hey, was where so it mattered. Crazy. That's right, where it mattered. That's not where it mattered. They gave him 15 oh yards. Hey, David Montgomery got this touches. I'm so... happy about that. I, Matt, can you cut like the oh, last fuck off, you self righteous prick? No one gives a fuck about your team. You don't matter. You don't. Except three of us on yeah, this podcast. Yeah, but no one gives a fuck about this team. That's why there's a reason Valenti didn't lead with everyone it. Everyone that two straight to days, Valenti didn't lead with it. There's a reason. Then he didn't lead with it because it wasn't the biggest story. Michigan State is. Well, he wasn't if leading Michigan with it. Yesterday was only an hour and forty minutes. If show. Michigan State had taken care of business and won by twenty, the lead God. would have been the Lions. I promise. They didn't, and that made them the biggest story. Regardless, since we haven't got the last ten minutes, back <laughs> to the spoiler alert: Lions. when you don't listen, and Matt still keeps it. No. Matt, please. I make no promises. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> can't leave this. You little. It's bad. Well, fuck it's bad you. Podcast. No, it's not. It's much more interesting than you dissecting this team beating a shit product. Like, come on, man. 
I only talk about teams in second place. You, you and or Dylan bickering like old married couples is never bad for podcasts. Hey, hey, you know what's even worse is Ryan. Guess what? Virginia and North Carolina. Guess where that game is? Chapel Hill, baby. Yeah, get scared. So, the same North Carolina that just. That's the game we should have went to. It would be fucking warm down there. Uh, It's on the 2nd of November. Me and Matt could have golfed fucking Pebble Beach. You you ain't fucking golfing when the rest of us are down in fucking Virginia. (laughs) You You know what's crazy is last week, again, when the Lions were smacking around the Cardinals. They were, hey, that's the NFL team. <laughs> and then when Lamar smacks them around and does something we haven't seen since Kaepernick in the playoffs, now they're a CFL defense. And where is Kaepernick now? That's just being out there. That has nothing to do with football. football. Yo, dude, he, the Steelers. He was the first hey, person hey, to the Steel- the <laughs> The Steelers signed Lynch today. Paxton Lynch instead of Kaepernick. Yep. The black ball okay, is in effect. So talk <laughs> about disingenuous right. arguments. You know that no one is signing a backup. No one is signing Colin Kaepernick as a backup. Well, it's not happening. No, a million the Jets should stop the, around and sign him now. Eighth quarterback that they signed. The Jets don't want to win. The Jets have no plans to win this year. So you have Kaepernick again, and Le'Veon in the backfield. Are you it's, kidding me? Football is not about whether Read option, oh, baby. this guy is better than one of the Just eight run options in the NFL all day. Should be in the NFL. That's not what that's about. Second. One of the last games Pat Kaepernick played, he threw four. That was how long passes. ago, though? Like, no, exactly. no, no, for real. How, it's how, even hey, worse. He, had, he had four picks all of them. And also, year. did no, they all he, come in no, one game? He legitimately threw like four picks on like I five passes. I doubt you're correct on that. Quarterbacks can't have bad games. He had, really? he had, right. He had four right. picks. Right, like, like Ben Roethlisberger has oh. had way worse games, but you're still all about him. He had 16 touchdowns yeah. and four Brett interceptions. Brett Favre as well. And again, multiple Super Bowl And again, like, you're what? also saying, oh, well, Ka- Kaepernick did that. That was like four years ago. In that time frame, Jalen Hurts became good. Shit can change. Jalen Hurts can change. also played football <laughs> year-round in that time. Colin Kaepernick's been doing a black radio. Like, what? <laughs> What? What? What are you talking about? What? Talk shows. That's not black radio. What the fuck Wait, are you talking about? Yeah, what the fuck is that? It, yeah, name a white station Colin Kaepernick's been on. Name a country music station that Colin Kaepernick's been on. Why is country on. the thing he would be on? <laughs> what is this? Exactly. Right. That's. No. Okay. All right. This is asinine as fuck. <laughs> what is going on? This is absurd. Me, tell me how many alternative stations or countries. Why are you br- bringing up the whitest shit possible? I mean, it's, it's Why the hell would Colin Kaepernick be on an alternative <laughs> Why music would he not go to he's going to be on ghetto music stations? That's what so racist. What the fuck are you talking that is about? so racist for no reason. It's targeted it, in the wrong accurate. way. It's legitimately real. No, it's not because like, he mean? wouldn't be on. He wouldn't be on freaking country like Colin at Kaepernick all. Going on ninety-seven nine is because not the everybody same is Colin okay. Kaepernick going on fucking ninety-nine-five. I don't even want to like entertain your thought here, but in Jesus. fairness, of all stations of music he would be on, it wouldn't be fucking country because all of them hate his ass. Come on now. True story. Like he's not gonna show it. That would be the same thing as you showing. <laughs> and you know more white people listen to ninety-seven-nine, right? What? Then listen to 99 oh, white yeah. people. Yeah, but those aren't. Yeah, but here's the thing. Those, the, those aren't the white people. Popular. Those aren't the white people against Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> you went. Why would he be on a music stage? Well, well, I'm aware. I, I know. I'm aware. I'm just saying Paul's example is the least likely of He's all do you of have them. Any idea how many. So he didn't. He didn't come on 91. Yeah, yeah. Morning shows he's been on. 
but you said specifically black radio like that was the like you were making an indictment on the radio question, shows he's been on consider the breakfast club because it sure as hell ain't white radio that's one radio show. and it's also just radio radio yeah it's just radio when was colin kaepernick on the breakfast that's an club? example he probably was though that's a that and the breakfast a, club has plenty of different athletes and, and artists right. on their shows so <laughs> in fact i think it wasn't wasn't kevin smith on there before you you ain't saying like come on yeah Colin Kaepernick was not oh look the, at that yeah but Ke- yeah but hang on but, but Kevin Smith has black was. friends uh, that's true unlike Paul oh, unlike right. Paul Who, because true because Paul. Paul Paul leads off every conversation hey do you listen to black radio Colin Kaepernick was on there 2019 we can't even talk true. about black radio you know you're just making a generalized statement that is very false like i feel like if colin kaepernick was on a radio station we would have heard about it have you ever heard of the emancipation proclamation i don't listen to hip-hop <laughs> <laughs> paul every day goes into work <laughs> I, I honestly cannot believe that you think people actually think colin kaepernick should be in the nfl that is the most no they don't but it's not oh, because over half away. the backup quarterbacks in this damn league you damn right i do yeah over over trevor Simeon's a couple starters backup. right now over trevor simeon's backup football sense to sign a guy like colin kaepernick to be a backup in what world does that make any sense I'll how does it I'm make sense even... to bring a guy that has won the nfc championship been to a super bowl been to multiple nfc championships took over an offense that was led by Alex Smith, who is very much hireable in this NFL, and made that offense better. I'm going to do did. the Dylan right now. You're being typical talk show radio delusion, talking about what his team accomplished when he was on it. In fact, in fair, I will say. When it was the same team that Alex Smith was on and he did it better? Yeah, I will. I mean, he it, did it better sample because size he had a coach bigger. that completely revitalized yeah. an offense to something the NFL had not seen, and it completely took them by storm. And he racked up like twelve hundred. Hold yards on, in two eight. Hey, wait a minute. Bay. To your to your point though, the current NFL landscape is much more in line with Kaepernick's ability. It's actually super not because the current NFL landscape actually have defenses that know how to defend. What the fuck are you talking about? Kyler Murray is throwing for 350 yards against Baltimore. A very good defense. How many wins? That's not what we're talking about right now, motherfucker. But you said enough. start. Exactly you what, said start. Exactly what Matt no, no, no. You that's said exactly what Matt was talking about. Are you talking to Matt right now? No. Because you said Kyler start. Kyler Murray has sucked in both right. games. I don't care how many yards he's thrown for. But I, again, that wasn't, that's not my argument. My point was starting for a team of 30, the NFL landscape is much more in line with his abilities than it was Back when he was actually it's, playing, I'm, and I'm telling you, it's not. You just asked because no, you, it is were though. Good when it was still a gimmick. No, he it was not. not. NFL How many quarterbacks now are more like him than back then? There was just a lot more. You're, you're not understanding what I'm saying at all. I'm not saying that there aren't quarterbacks that run that style of offense and that style of play. I'm saying he was good in that style. You asked for football reasons. You asked for football gimmick. reasons. Those it are football no, reasons. I'm telling you football reasons right now. It is no longer a gimmick. Defenses actually know how to defend it. So now you actually need a good quarterback that is good at running that system. He is not that thing. He is a bad, very bad quarterback that was only successful in it because it was a gimmick at the time, and he had a staff that was extremely in tune with what he could and couldn't do and knew how to exploit defenses at the time. If you he legitimately think the anymore. New York Jets couldn't use him, I don't I don't there's nothing else to say. Use like, him to what? To continue tanking and then answer a circus after every single Again. Game? 
to start. I am not talking about a team in contention wanting to starting. win. Yeah, uh, starting. He absolutely could start for the Jets. If their, if their quarterback goes down for like eight weeks, it's like a stopgap is the Chiefs. Because they still got enough talent on that. And team. Matt Moore's He's not a good bat. He's, Kaepernick's better than Matt Moore, for sure. Right, and he'd be he's somebody. And, and Andy, yeah, Andy Reid has used that type Until of quarterback Mahomes comes a back. hell of a lot. What's hilarious is as cutthroat and money driven as the NFL is, the fact that they will give anybody a second chance, no matter what you have done. I mean, he and sued the, fact the league. That you so. somehow think it doesn't matter. It's I mean, that's hundred percent why. You spit in Roger Goodell's face if somebody thought that you were going to help them re- achieve their goal. You are full of yourself if you think it's football reasons he's not. playing. That's the absurd. Goal is not, shut up. The goal is not always winning, so <laughs> emphasis on the fact that I said goal. If any team in the NFL thought that Kaepernick was better for them to achieve whatever goal that they were working towards than their current lineup, you are ignorant if you think he wouldn't be on a team right now. You that are ignorant as shit for, number one, saying that Kaepernick only goes on black radio shows, and number two, for thinking that they... He doesn't even do like, radio. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I know. It's so me more. asinine. It's like, we don't he, hear him talk. Paul wants to throw the, the ignorant phrase at me, but then... Then says the phrase black radio and then on top of that thinks that football reasons are the sole factor for why he hasn't started for any team in the last four years that's so goddamn stupid and racist because you are that's it let's move on None of that makes any fucking sense. The guy is terrible. If a team thought he could help, they would sign him. He doesn't make you are. That is not correct. That is simply not correct. There are so many examples. It is so absurd that these people that have so many things they care about so much more than the makeup of a person. Greg Hardy was on a team, dude. Greg Hardy. And you're telling me that because oh Kaepernick sued that he could spit in Goodell's face and piss on stage and tell him to fly. Greg a Hardy kite. didn't have the president calling for a boycott of the it NFL. That's also true. Matter. People don't watch. People don't stop yeah, watching the NFL. Yeah, the president with a fucking twenty percent approval rating. Like people give a shit. What? What? All right. All right. All right. All right. You you sound too much like white radio right now. Let's move on. We need to finish the fucking Lions. We're not, dude. <laughs> what else is there to say? We never did anything. I was gone for like 10 minutes, and y'all didn't talk about anything? I, I thought yeah, about Ryan. I heard my Literally Ryan. Ryan. I, I opened about the Lions. We Boom! About I there you opened. Go. There you go. See? See? Two two of your three Lions people said to move on. mid-sentence when you derailed it with Chicago. I, I derailed it because it was boring as balls listening Hang to on, you talk To be about. fair, you are always mid-sentence, Paul. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Ooh, that looks He's not wrong. Fuck. But no, is is there something else you wanted to get off your chest regarding the Lions? I wanted to close it. I said like two things. All right, like ten Four minutes. Black players at the Lions. <laughs> Did you hear about the uh, the the new SNL hire that got fired before he even got on the show because of his yeah. podcast? Yeah, yeah but today. wasn't it because he was being like really racist about Asian people in one of his? I, I don't no, know. What okay, he said. so I just posted so he was like, so he said some like really. Really racist stuff about Asian people in one yeah, of the cast. No, he called Chinese chinks. I I thought it was worse than that. Yep. Can't do that. <laughs> it was it was part of his comedy skit. Like it's not like yeah he was yeah. Fucking, I, I mean, in fairness, like so, so was the Michael Richards like, thing. I fucking hate Asian people. Like that's why I don't. Uh, you guys already know. I think nothing should be off limits, especially in comedy. No shit. He has a lyric in his songs about his eyes being so cheap. Someone tell me the difference. Someone tell me the difference of what Chappelle does and what this guy did, other than the fact that Chappelle's funny. 
What it, uh, Chappelle was already famous. And also Chappelle's wife is Asian, so I guess for some people it gives him a pass. But I don't know. People stupid. are inconsistent. And, and and he's and he's also funny. You can get a, you can get away with That's a true. lot. Well, yeah, well, he's, that funny, he is a lot funnier look. for sure. I don't well, think this no, guy look your point. I get your point. People are very inconsistent. I totally get that point you're making. It's much better than the black radio thing. But I I, I think the part of the <laughs> well, that's another point is is Chappelle's black. That that so it's oh yeah, that's that was his entire you know, crux of his argument too. about the whole LGBTQ thing. <laughs> that was so good. The car. Oh my fucking god. That was a very good skit. It was, very it was just so. It was so spot on. Like, there's look. It's because of the tag. I, I guess in the way I think at least Chappelle plays a little better is because it, it feels like when he's saying these things, it's coming from a different place. If that makes sense, like he's not trying to do it to create dividing lines or whatever. It's for a joke. It's that simple. And some people, when they make jokes like that, it's very pointed and it sounds different. This guy is so Giannis to the racist, Warriors. This guy might not be. Giannis to the Warriors. I saw that shit. I I would quit the league if that happens. All right. To wrap up the Lions, so that Dylan's head explodes. The most important thing out of all this is There's that nothing. the Lions didn't lose because the next three games are incredibly rough, and they could lose all three of them. They go to Philly. They host Kansas City, where I'll be, unfortunately. And then they go to Lambeau on Monday Night Football, and they need to go one and two to have a realistic shot at the playoffs, which is a long shot. But if they go zero and three, the season's in a real rough, rough stretch. But they could still do something just because the back half gets a lot easier. If they went zero and four through the five, four games after Arizona, your season's done. Realistically, your season was done if you lost this game. So regardless of how sloppy it looked in the circumstances, they had to have this game. Their season is still alive. They have things to play for. And that is the biggest takeaway from this game. Now, we're going to pick the games. Yeet. And we're going to start with college because it's so much more enjoyable. And I think we need some enjoyment in our lives after the last half hour of stuff that I pray is not going to make the cast. I absolutely enjoyed myself. And I know Ryan and Matt did as well. <laughs> I just hate the conversation. It's so pointless and stupid. So is half of what you say, but we still listen. So I guess the whole thing is there's no right or wrong. Like, you can't, like, you say a game, I think this team's going to win, and then we find out if they win. If they laugh at what you think you can do. (laughs) Is that the Kaepernick Nike commercial? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Damn it, Ryan. Stay that way. Because what non-believers fail to understand is that calling a dream crazy is not uh, You weren't supposed to say what it was. <laughs> well, you know, this commercial was actually aired in black homes, so. <laughs> Don't picture yourself wearing OBJ's jersey. Picture OBJ wearing Don't settle for homecoming queen or linebacker. Okay. I'm sorry, Paul, you were saying. <laughs> Just have it play over like Paul's entire thing about the Lions. He actually left. He left his his echoey basement. He's just going back to work. It's not a basement. He's going back to work. (laughs) He's so mad. He clocked in. (laughs) 
I oh. guess I'm doing night shift tonight. Fuck you guys. Oh, man. All right. Oh, uh, God. I'm sorry. I had to. That was so good. All right. We ready for the picks. <laughs> we're ready for the picks. I don't so, know if you are. We were not ready for the picks last week. Last week was brutal. I, I It was really bad, guys. I we're, we're starting to embarrass ourselves out here. I'm so glad I changed some of them for the actual, like, our picks with Alex. Because, like, I actually had time to think about it. And, like, like oh, no, not this one, not that I one, mean, not this one. Yeah, your two wins last week. Yeah. Probably good that you changed some of them. Uh, Dylan also had two wins. I had three improving. Well, Ryan get had the four. shit out of here. I only yeah, had two. Buddy. You only had two, yes. Damn. Ryan and Ryan and Don had four. They almost didn't embarrass themselves. Uh, we are all well under 500 on the season. And I do expect this to change because last year we were all right around 500 or well above. And I think it'll get better. Or we're just really fucking well, you got to give the total standing. I shouldn't be gambling. Uh, we'll go total standings. It's pretty simple. Ryan is crushing the field. Matt is, in se- Matt is in second place with Don. Wait, how much is he crushing me by? Because I was leading going into That's last probably one game. game. <laughs> <laughs> crushing the field. Uh, hey, but by win percentage, it is 433 to 400. Uh-huh. All right, so it's all about your angle, right? So, Matt, Ryan is in a, a comfortable, very can't-be-caught-anytime-soon first place. <laughs> hey, Don and, and Don, who is never on our cast anymore, rest in peace. Uh, I think the Obola got him, but whatever. Uh, Don and Matt are in second place, tied. I am next, and Dylan is not doing so hot in Yeats. last place. Uh, but it's it's a game each time. It's not nearly as bad as it seems. First to last place is only a three-game difference. It's because we all suck ass. <laughs> it, that is part of it. If any one of us were even 500, we'd have pretty substantially. But we don't, because we suck. And hopefully this week will be the turnaround of things. And I think this week actually offers more clarity, except in this first game that we're going to pick. The game that Dylan didn't want to pick, because he hates America, but the Air Force is traveling to Boise State, a top 20 Boise State team. And despite Air Force playing pretty well to start the season, they're eight and a half point dogs on the road. Things happen on that blue field, man. <clears throat> Super fast looking team. Yes, sir. Ryan give me that. Uh, well, I mean, Matt talked. But give me that blue field <laughs> where the birds think it's a pool. And dive straight into it. That's what's gonna happen with Air Force. <laughs> straight in head first. Bam! Birds committing suicide. All game. I, I, honestly, I have PTSD right now. Like we moved in the new house. Does it got a pool that's not taken care of? And we have a dead bird in there every week. Jesus. Why? Dude, Why? Oh, straight dude, first. Try having one in California. It's the birds ridiculous. are the least of your problems. You got dead snakes, hey, dead why, lizards. Why are like, these birds killing themselves? Stop dead diving coyotes. in my pool. All right, now I'm sad. It's better than the planes that are gonna be crashing there on Saturday. Let's go. Is that oh when the game God. is? on Saturday? Jesus Christ. Jesus. The game is on Friday. He's talking about the Air Force. I thought he was making Friday. a 9-11 joke. Wow. Friday night game, 8 p.m. Mm. Boy, I believe. They're going to be, sure. be rocking out there in Idaho. Uh, my turn? If you want yeah, to. Boise's not even a state. What the hell? All right. I got it. I got it. You know what's interesting is that uh, the first time that we ever saw the greatness of Colin Kaepernick was back in 2010. When Boise State lost on the road in Reno to the Nevada Wolfpack. And just like that game, Boise State will not cover. Air Force is going to cover this game in Boise. 
I really want to pick Air Force to cover this game. Like, when you released it and it was Air Force BYU on our chart, I was like, oh, I'm taking Air Force Same all day. Thing. With eight and a half. No, BYU and Boise State are a little bit different, yeah, especially are. offensively. Boise State can put points on the board. Um, <clears throat> Air Force, you know, tough fight for a win at Colorado. Boise State's a better team than Colorado. Uh I have a hard time going with uh, our defenders of the air in this one. I'm going to have to go with the blue field and the uh, Boise State Broncos. So since Don Don actually got his picks in a timely manner this week, so I'm going to announce his too. He picked Air Force because he doesn't hate this country, and neither do I. Uh, if this was like Boise State minus four neither and a half, which is probably what the spread should be, then I would <laughs> take Boise State. Air Force has actually looked pretty darn good to start the season. And it's not that Boise State's looked bad, but we talked about this before the cast. They haven't blown anyone away, and I just don't think they've looked good enough to be an eight-and-a-half point. they got to win by nine to cover the spread. It's just too much for me. I'm going to take Air Force. I think this is a very underrated game, going to be one of the better games of the week. I think this will be a very fun game to watch, and it kicks off the week on Friday. Very nice. We go to what is an extremely hype game that we spent way too long, according to some people, discussing. Michigan famously travels to Camp Randall this weekend, and they're a three-and-a-half-point dog, and I can count on one hand the times Michigan's been a three-and-a-half-point dog in Harbaugh's tenure. Michigan hasn't won in Camp Randall since 01. That does not change this weekend. I don't like the three-and-a-half, but as Will Smith once said, hate in your heart will consume you too, and it will consume me all the way. Let's go, Wisconsin. Let's go, Badgers. Jonathan Taylor, baby. Champions of the West. I can't be nearly as linguistically rhythmic as Ryan was, but I absolutely already put actual money on Wisconsin for this for a line that this is not, so good on me for that. Wisconsin will probably win by a score or two. It'll look a lot closer than it probably is. And on top of that, Colin Kaepernick was born in Wisconsin, so give me the whiskey badges. It's going to be so odd, all the Kaepernick mentions. Out of the blue, it's just, on the just cast. like his Hawkeye mentions last week. No, that was. Oh, that's that true. Was, uh, that's fair. That's fair. It'll be yeah, Pete Dillon, with, perfect yeah, Dillon. Then it's Dillon. You're good. Uh, it's because I'm witty. I, I think Wisconsin's the best team in the West, and I think throughout all the year they're going to show that. But I think on Saturday, I think Michigan snaps that streak of 0 six under Harbaugh as the dog, and the 18 year streak going on 18 year streak of not winning at Camp Rand- at Camp Randall. Uh, I'm going with the Wolverines. So Don picked the Wolverines because Don is a homer and he'll never pick against them. Uh, that's not why I'm going to pick them, although I haven't picked against them this year. Oh, he picked them to go undefeated. So. I, he did. He did. Actually, that's true. Well, yeah, but he also picked so he Nebraska. Has, he kind of has to pick them when they're an underdog no this matter what. Is, that's true. That's, that, that is 100% true. Although well, circumstances change if they look bad, right? But that's something to me that the circumstances haven't changed enough. Before this season – Michigan would have been a double-digit favorite in this game, on the road or not. And it's such an overreaction to the first couple games to say that that swung all the way to Michigan or Wisconsin being more than a field goal favorite. That's just crazy. I, Michigan, and I know it's not the same, but they embarrassed this team last year. And they didn't change a whole lot from last year. And you can arguably, in some spots, they're worse. They are a better team overall because they have an actual quarterback. But to go from that... And what we thought we knew about these teams to all of a sudden three and a half points for Wisconsin, it's crazy to me. Michigan wants this game. This game is in some ways going to be easier than the games they played at the beginning of the season because it's going to be more familiar to them. 
Michigan could lose this game. They're not losing by more than three points. That's absurd. Almost as absurd as this next line. And I actually think we're all going to be in lockstep here, as sad as it is. Michigan State is traveling to a place that we're going to visit later this season, Ryan Field. Yep. And it's a place they've struggled at, well-documented. And Michigan State, coming off an epic, amazing performance last week, is a almost double-digit, a nine-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Yes, and I. This is, I'm sorry, someone was arguing, I think, outside of my apartment. Um, this is crazy. You're basically picking them to win by two scores to a team that they've lost to for four years in a row, and they're on the road. I picked them the first two weeks, and they did not help me out. If they would have covered, I'd probably be 500 right now. But, man, I can absolutely not pick Michigan State you in this game. would be exactly 500 Go right Cats. now. To cover, not to win. Uh, this is... Uh... No, I don't have any Kaepernick quips for this That's because so it's weird. it's so sad. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be Northwestern. It's not being close, and I'm taking Northwestern for the outright win. Fuck you. Help me out here. This thing opened at a seven-point favor for Michigan State, and the number has gone up. People think that D'Antonio's ass is going to be lit on fire. They think it's going to be a bounce back. Yeah, I don't see that at all. They don't understand. They don't understand the Matt, power of Papasher. This is, I mean, this is an unbelievable head-scratcher. I do not understand this line whatsoever. Uh, I think Michigan State will win the game, but I don't think it's going to be by 10 points. So, no, I, I'm not taking the Spartans to cover this spread. Hey, Don picked Northwestern because he hates Michigan State more than he <clears throat> hates vaccines. But <laughs> this is hey. such a stupid game. Honestly, like this game is ridiculous. I, I picked Northwestern to win the West, and they have that looks like a bad pick, almost as bad as Don's Nebraska. They haven't lived almost, up to it. Almost. 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 But this is your Michigan State would have to beat a real live Big Ten team by more points than they scored at home last week against Arizona State. Oh, the way you put that. Jesus. How can you in good conscience, and I get like it's like a Vegas knows things, and yes, Michigan State could actually play up to their potential and blow them out, but how could anyone in good conscience actually pick Michigan State in this game to cover by that much? I, I don't I don't get it. Like if someone's out there and listens to this podcast, hit me up in the comments. Hit us up on our Sports Carnage page and tell me why you thought Michigan State could do this because how it's got to be Northwestern. We're all in lockstep. To a game that should be a lot more interesting, although the spread is also super interesting to me, Texas A&M, Dylan Bears fighting Jimbo Fishers. He's been very high on him since he went to A&M. Four-point favorite over number eight Auburn at home. Auburn has looked good this year. I picked against them in the Oregon game, and they made me look foolish. So I will not let them make me look foolish again. Give me Auburn here to cover. This is a prototypical Gus Malzahn team where it's a really, really good defensive front with an offense that just cannot seem to get it clicking. This is going to be absolutely Bo Nix's But your man ho- Bo Nix! I was about to say that before you cut me off. Bo Nix, this is by far his hardest test so far, and I just can't, in College Station, I can't do it. Kellen Mond, Jimbo Fisher, after a really tough game, against Clemson two weeks ago. They'll bounce back with this one. They'll win outright. I mean, they're favored, I would hope. I'm aware. 
But so no, but you just said they'll win outright. Yeah, like out. I guess you can't say win outright with the favorites. It, in my head, a touchdown converted itself to outright, so they'll win by. <laughs> So, so, so you're taking you're taking Texas A&M to cover. Yes, Jesus. Just say that, you snarky bastard. <laughs> it wasn't snark. I'm not even being snarky right now. No, it wasn't snark, but it was ill-worded. What, what are you saying? Uh, is stupid, but it's sincere. <laughs> yeah, I'm still. I'm. I'm not believing in Jimbo Fisher yet. I, I still. I'm. I'm having a hard time doing it. I don't know why. It's just ever since the move, I haven't. I just haven't believed in him yet. Uh, with the way Florida State kind of fell apart under him, I that was not his believe fault. in Gus Malzahn. But I've seen more out of Malzahn. You know, bouncing back from you know not great years to having really good years. Looks like he kind of has the formula right now. So I'm gonna go with the uh, the Tigers to cover. Before you before Paul, you say anything. You know that Gus Malzahn since 2013 has not had a game where he has won more than 10 games. So I don't know how he's still employed. Right, <laughs> but. <laughs> This game opened minus two and a half for Texas A&M. What Don pick? Don picked Texas A&M. He gave no reason for it, so I'm just going to assume that he has some familial connection because he's a homer, so he has to pick Texas A&M. He keeps saying that. He is. You guys know Don is the biggest homer in the world, and I love Don. But For Michigan, what does that have to do with Texas A&M? Right. Hey, he might – maybe they're anti-vax. I don't know. Why do you keep going to that well? Find something else. <laughs> Find something this is else. mean. <laughs> it's because he won't appear on the cast with us. He's too busy for us watching, not, his, son, watching his son throw 20 balls on 20. I mean, he was trashing him, too. No, no, that's because <laughs> unlike the adult you have on the show with you right now, Don actually has a real life. The best is Don really did was like, my kids You, you have a real life, buddy. It's us. Um, I thought you were going to say Don as a kid. This is the week that either like, I make a big comeback <laughs> and surge up the leaderboard or I just give up picks because I love these spreads for looking at them and being like, wow, this seems like an easy pick to me. I'm not on the Bo Nix train the way Dylan was. And that's what why it surprises this? me who he picked on this. What do you mean? What is the only this? people you on that like, train? Bo like Nix is the only God. people on that train like Dylan have the last name Nix. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> like a <laughs> Texas A&M is not four point. Listen, I understand the SEC is overrated, but both these are SEC teams. Texas A&M is not four points better than any top ten team. They're not. I don't care if it's at home. I don't care how lit College Station is. I don't care how good Kellen Bond is. Jimbo Fisher is going to do Jimbo Fisher things, and this game has to be within a field goal, or Auburn is the biggest fraud in the world. It's it just, and they might be, but I, I just this this. You're facing a team that is ranked drastically higher than you in the SEC, and you're four points favored at home. Either the AP is dumber than we think they are, or this line is whack. And I'm going to take Auburn with this. I'm going to agree with the poll voters on this one. To what should be the game of the week in college football, numbers-wise, like you look at a 7-3 matchup and you're like, wow, that's going to be a really good game, has the most widest spread that we're picking the most, most widest, widest. that's most grammar, widest though. oh no georgia <laughs> is a 13 and a half point favorite over notre dame at home and talk about the ap being misplaced if this is the case 13 and a half is a lot and we talked about chip long the the offensive coordinator for notre dame earlier so to make my boy look good hopefully they can win this game and then he can get the michigan state job give me notre dame to cover all 13 and a half of those points. This is an asinine spread. I don't 
in any semblance of understanding, I don't get it. How can a top 10 matchup be more than, I mean, I'll even accept 10. 13, I had two scores. And Ian Book is a good quarterback. People completely forget about Notre Dame. They are the least talked about team in the top 10. And it's not close. Notre Dame is going to keep this within at least two touchdowns. Come on. Well, that's Notre Dame's fault for not really being in a conference for football, the whole NBC deal. And that's it. And all that. I mean, they made the playoffs. Uh, yeah, they right. should. <laughs> they I will forever say they should be in the Big Ten. It makes the most sense in oh. the world for them. Uh, but that's such dis- that's so much disrespect to Notre Dame. You know, they these two played a really good game in South Bend last year. I understand that it's Georgia at home and Athens is a tough place to play sometimes. But this Notre Dame team Capital is really of the football good. World. I will go with the best fight song. You know, still the best fight song in the world. Trash, <laughs> trash fight song. It's a cool, trash. It is a great fight song. But if you can't keep this within two touchdowns, great alternate jerseys. Are you kidding Word me up. right now? A, a team, a, a three-seven matchup. And they're expected to lose by two touchdowns? Are you kidding me it. right now? I, it doesn't what? make any sense. And that's why I said wow. this week is the week that either I make up a ton of crown or I just give up this whole thing. And I'm just like Vegas knows, dude. Because, A, and I will admit, I'm on the number one Georgia hater bandwagon. Like, for you sure. Are. Super think that they're overrated. Trash. Not really trash. They're a very good team. But definitely think they're overrated. But if Notre Dame is any semblance of decent not losing this game by two touchdowns and they didn't last year with well i think they're a better team this year than they were last year arguably don also had notre dame by the way so that makes it a clean sweep for the second game in our college picks uh, and we're all just i guess taken for one just, just following the leader georgia wins by three touchdowns uh yeah following the leader ryan by one goddamn game well if we keep picking the <laughs> same headed, games it's gonna be by one game again <laughs> we're headed to the nfl it's much less exciting, and we got two teams that haven't played their best football yet. Detroit travels to Philly, a preseason Super Bowl contender. Detroit's the a seven point. Detroit, no, not. I don't think that a I Super have Bowl to contender clarify. and the Eagles. <laughs> uh, the Detroit is seven point dogs on the road. Tell me how bad you guys think this game is going to be. This game is going to be super bad. Like a Jonah Hill movie, the Eagles are going to exercise all types of demons against the Lions. That defense isn't ready. The offense isn't ready. We don't want the smoke. The coaching staff isn't ready. It's going to be a very sad watching party on Sunday, but the Eagles should, Did you should run away. really just blasphemize Jonah Hill? No. No, you said Jonah, super bad Jonah Hill isn't super bad. Oh, oh Jesus. thank God. Oh, Jesus, God. dude. Come on now. I... Ryan has done a great job with these. Like, problem. You, you've been phenomenal. Really. I hate following up up that. So, you mentioned Will Smith in, in Philly That's before. Philly That's connection. a thing. Yeah, there's a Philly connection right there. But, Philly has started off every single one of their games hella slow. And, Detroit, I think, will at least keep this relatively close. So, I am actually going to pick Detroit to cover. Uh... <laughs> this... I mean, did you see how that offense was last week? Which one? For Detroit's or Phillies? Uh, Philly. Yeah. Not great. Not great. Didn't look good at all. 
Uh, what are is, you talking about? Josh McCown looked great. Uh, Philly at home, different story. And they can move the ball through the air, which is the better way to beat the Lions. Uh, I think the Eagles cover this one. And don't give me at home bullshit, whatever. Uh, I'm going to be. Lions like playing outdoors? Not really. Not really. I, I don't think me and Don have picked against the Lions, which is stupid. But. This spread is way too much for a Philly team. That it, before the season, sure. Carson Wentz has not looked good. Carson Wentz has also banged up. He took some shots. You know last what the, you know the NFL's medicine is to get right? Play Detroit. Continue <laughs> to play like crap. They haven't figured out what they're doing with their eight running backs yet in Philly. They have got nothing going consistent. The offensive line hasn't been as dominant as it should be. Seven points is a ton in the NFL against a team with a pulse. And you can say what you want about Detroit, but they do have a pulse. And Detroit hasn't played their best football yet either. So you can say, well, this is going to be a bounce back. Philly's going to play better. Well, Detroit's going to play better this week than they have the last two weeks too. And I'm not saying they're going to win the game. I don't know. But to lose by more than seven points, to lose by two scores to Philly would just be a disaster of epic proportions. And I got my problems with this coaching staff, but they should be fired if they lose by more than a score to Philly. And I don't care where you had Philly at preseason. You, you know, who's the, like you know my, who's the worst against tight ends? Detroit. You know what Philly has a really Arizona, good tight end? Miles. Miles is actually the worst against tight ends. Yeah. But. Well, that's because of Mark Andrews. But and uh, No, I, I feel like Miles Sanders might be a good fantasy play this week, though. You actually, I think this is his game. I, I'm remiss. I hate to spend so long on the picks, but somehow no one brought this up. And could, you brought up tight ends and Dallas Goddard's hurt, which made me remember. Oh, yeah, Carson Wentz is the only person banged up for Philly. Alshon is banged up. Deshaun Jackson is banged up. We don't even know who else is going to play. Nelson Aguilar has looked like trash. I mean, he and is trash. <laughs> Goddard's not playing. Like, you have a banged-up quarterback with a banged-up receiving core. It's not – to think that they're just going to blow out Detroit – Mm-hmm. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. 35 uh, I don't like it either. So, it's going to happen. <laughs> I already know who Ryan's going to pick in this game because uh, yeah. he thinks God himself plays a quarterback. Hey, he's uh, my two, Lamar two favorite players in the NFL. That <laughs> dynamic, apparently world's best offense in NFL history, greatest show on earth. Baltimore's traveling to Kansas City, and they're a six-and-a-half-point dog. Now, this is a matchup of undefeated. This is a matchup of, according to Ryan, the two best quarterbacks in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So six and a half seems like and a lot. also Patrick I'm, Mahomes. I'm curious where Ryan's and also Patrick Mahomes. Yes, uh, the Ryan, future multiple time MVP why, and Patrick Mahomes. Tell us why Baltimore is going to cover the spread. Please. For this game, these are my two favorite players in the NFL with Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, and I have more. I actually got pretty uh in fantasy terms. I got a lot of stock in both these teams. Last year, though, Baltimore did go into Kansas City and only lost by three in a game where they had way less weapons than they do now. I do like Baltimore's offense in general. Their rushing game is approved. They have better receivers on the outside. Mark Andrews is actually going to play in this game because last year he had zero receptions for zero yards. I don't know what that was about, if he just didn't get the ball or if he got hurt or something. Uh, No Tyreek Hill for the Chiefs. Not that that really mattered for them. Last week with the Marcus Robinson and Nicole Hardman and all of them, it's a it's a game of two really good offenses. I hope we're able to actually watch this game, uh, unlike we were last week with the Rams and the Saints. Give me the Ravens here. They oh, did it last hey. year uh, within the six and a half. That's a big spread for me. So I'll be I'll be happy when Lamar gets four touchdowns and they get a four point loss. 
<laughs> this this spread is hella difficult, and I, I appreciate that we're watching a game that's keeping on the legacy of the Colin Kaepernick prototypical quarterback, because we have Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, two so black quarterbacks who are who like to move around a bit, who are very cerebral, and, and they just it's a fantastic way to keep on number seven's legacy. But this game is hella hard to pick for the spread. Uh, but Kansas City's defense has not improved, and Kansas City also, they scored 28 points, and it was all in one quarter against an Oakland defense that is nowhere near as good as Baltimore's. John Harbaugh being crafty, being weird with the offense and the special teams. I'm going to pick Baltimore to cover. Mm -hmm. Well, it certainly helps to play football when you're not playing on a baseball diamond. (laughs) Give Kansas City a little bit of a break there. But, no, I agree with everything you guys have said. I mean, yeah. Kansas City's defense has not improved. Baltimore has some pretty good weapons. And, uh, I mean, Lamar Jackson has looked much better than I ever gave him credit for uh, to start mm-hmm. this season. Uh, Looks I, like a regular Colin Kaepernick. I think the six and a half is a little too much. Uh, so, I'll go with Baltimore. Let's go. To, uh, cover that spread. So, staying in lockstep with Don, who has Kansas City. This is going to be a wake-up call for Baltimore. See, Kansas City has started on the road both games this season and blew out two teams that are better than people think. Jacksonville's kind of a mess right now, but they handled business. Gardner Minshew. And Oakland is not that bad, and we'll get to that next pick. And they took care of business on the road like good teams do, and now they're coming home. It's their home opener. They're going to be pumped, and it's going to be a wake-up call for the Baltimore, it's going to be a wake-up call for Lamar Jackson. It's going to be a wake-up call for Ryan. Because while their defense is not world beaters until they trade for Jalen Ramsey three nights before the game, uh, he's not facing Miami. He's not facing Arizona. And I love Mark Andrews. He's a really yeah, good player. He was a rookie worse. last year to answer Ryan's yeah. question about why he didn't show up a lot more. He was a rookie tight end. And now he's not. And now he's playing really well. But that's not going to be enough. And I expect this to be a good game to watch, but I expect Kansas City to win by 10 points. So I'm going to take Kansas City in what is going to be a big wake-up call and a back-to-earth, maybe not Super Bowl contender yet, Baltimore team. I just mentioned Oakland. Oakland has one of the more interesting games of the week to me. They travel to Minnesota this week. And Minnesota, despite the complete debacle of frustration last week, is an 8-point favorite at home. Mind you, they only scored 16 points last week because Kirk Cousins decided that he probably watched MSU on Saturday and said, I'm going to do that. Yeah, Minnesota coming back down to earth from, I think, where a lot of us thought they were going to be at the beginning of the year. They beat the Falcons pretty significantly in week one. Last week, went on the road to Green Bay. I don't believe in Oakland like you do. I like Tyrell Williams. Uh, I even like Derek Carr. But I have to think that the Vikings just have so much more talent. And for that, uh, Randy Moss ties to both teams as well. But I prefer Randy Moss as a Viking than I do a Raider. So for that reason, and that reason alone, give me the Vikings. Well, oh man. I'm actually with Paul on this one. I think that Oakland isn't nearly as bad of a team as everybody suspected, especially post-Antonio uh, Brown. Minnesota didn't look extremely convincing. At one point in the game against Green Bay, Kirk Cousins was 9 of 22. I can't have a quarterback that's sub-50% 
completion percentage win by more than a touchdown. So I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take Oakland to cover. Uh, I wholeheartedly believe more in the Oakland offense than I do the Vikings offense. I think Derek Carr is a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins. And I think even without A.B., he's got some pretty decent weapons around him. Uh, Vikings defense, good defense, but I think I think Oakland can score enough with the lack of offense from Minnesota uh, to stay within a touchdown of this game. So I'll take the Raiders. Our good friend Don is a believer in the Vikings this weekend. And for only the second time this week, I'm going to disagree with him. And I had the Vikings winning the North. And I would actually feel better about this game had they not botched last week because I think they're going to swing back the other way a little bit. I mean, last week's one of the most frustrating games I've ever seen. They were right there to beat the Packers. They they got down 21-0 early, then completely shut down the Packers, came back. You are first in goal in the fourth quarter. You're down by five points. And at the minimum, they're going to cover the spread because if they get stuffed to kick a field goal, they at least cover the spread for me. They couldn't do that because Kirk Cousins, in all his infinite wisdom, and you guys know I'm a big Kirk Cousins supporter, on first and freaking goals throws an interception. I have such a bad throw. It's a throw. That's the kind of throw that makes the conspiracy theorists that say the game is rigged. That's the kind of shit they put on highlight reels. That's how bad that was. He was, I want to say, 13 of 33 or something stupid. Couple picks. Like he had one of probably maybe his worst game as a pro. He is single-handedly the reason they lost that game, which is just awful. But that's not what Kirk's been in Minnesota. Kirk has actually been really good at Minnesota. Last year, their record disappointed. But Kirk had one of the best quarterbacking seasons for the Vikings that I can remember in my lifetime. He had a good year last year. And I expect him to check the numbers. Check the numbers and check the tape. He did. He had a very good year last year. The team did not. He had a very good year last year. That's what scares me about this game. But eight points is so many, man. And Oakland is so much better than people give them credit for. Derek Carr is way better quarterback than people think he is. People think he shouldn't even be starting. It's just absurd. Eight points is too much for me to trust this team to cover. I am going to take Oakland. And sticking with the theme, Houston and L.A., sloppy play we've been talking about, right? All the sloppy play in the NFL from Detroit to Philly, Oakland, Minnesota, same story. We got the Chargers coming off one of the sloppiest games I've ever seen against the Lions. Houston, Deshaun Watson have not looked great. Chargers are at home, three points. It feels like both teams need this game. Houston and L.A. is almost certainly a NBA playoff series that we'll see down the road. For this game, though, I don't expect it to go in L.A.'s favor like it will in the, in the association. I think it's going to be a lot of what they showed last week when they did not look ready. They made a lot of mistakes against the Lions. I expect Houston to come in there and do whatever they want with them with Deshaun Watson running all over the defense, getting guys like Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins involved. Um, you know, Maybe your man Carlos Hyde will have another good game and give people a false sense of security about him, but I expect this to be Houston's game. And the fact that they're actually getting points will be all over the Texans this week. Yeah, it's the Texans. Uh, I mean, Deshaun Watson is going the way of David Carr, but I'll take Houston. Uh, I still believe in the Chargers. I think they're one of the better teams in the AFC. I think they are a better team than Houston. And even despite the kicking woes this past weekend against Detroit, uh, I think they'll have some better luck in their favor this weekend at home. Uh, Give me the bolts. 
Hey, it was just the inconsistency from Ryan. He talked about how Kansas City didn't look as good as he expected them to this season. They beat Jacksonville by 14 points on the road. And you got a, a, a Houston team when they say that. that arguably should have lost against Jacksonville last week. Uh, uh, Absolutely Jacksonville not team that is a complete mess. Gardner Minshew! And I love Gardner, but uh, they were a two-point conversion away from losing that game. They escaped. And they didn't escape the week before against the Saints, albeit the Saints are a very good team. Houston is not as good as L.A. And L.A. had a very awful week against the Lions. They're going to bounce back in a big way and play true to the football that they are, despite the injuries, although they'll be a little healthier. And it didn't show this week because uh, the Lions' offensive line had a miracle game, and we had a really good game plan as far as getting the ball out quickly. And Stafford avoided some sacks with his feet. But the Chargers do have two of the best pass rushers in the NFL. And while Houston has... And I, I talked about it preseason. I liked what Houston was doing, trying to shore up their offensive line. And I love what they've done. Carlos Hyde, who Ryan hates for whatever reason, has looked extremely good as the lead back for them. It's not going to be enough. This is a big bounce back game for the Chargers. I expect the Chargers to win this game handily and remind people that injuries aside, like they've had for the past decade, they will be a factor in the AFC race. They are going to take care of business this week. We are sticking with the L.A. teams, but this game is not in L.A. We have the Enigma and the team that's kind of a quarterback away from the Super Bowl and still might get there. The L.A. Rams travel to face the much-hyped Cleveland Browns, who have not performed like the way they were hyped in the offseason. And the Rams are on the road with a lesser quarterback, but still a three-point favorite. Yeah, I'm surprised that it's only three. Honestly, the Rams are such a better team. Baker Mayfield has looked terrible this year, uh, inconsistent with his throws, turning the ball over. I don't expect that to change against the Rams' defense. Give me the Rams back-to-back NFC champions. <laughs> Not that it starts this week, but they're going to impose their will on did the Did I mention the Don Browns. had Houston? Send them back. Uh, no, but now you did. I didn't think so. No. Don did have Houston. All right, there you go. To you, Dylan. Uh, I think that the Rams are going to floorboard Cleveland. That offensive line is far too weak, and Baker may get broken in half. Uh, It's the Rams all around so far. I don't believe in Cleveland yet, not against this defense. Uh, Baker's definitely looks shaky. Uh, Jared Goff is not world beaters. It's not going to be Cleveland weather to help give them an edge over the Rams. It does not help Cleveland or do them any favors. You guys are almost making me rethink this, not because you don't make valid points, but... Eight times this year, all five of us have picked the same team. We're two and six in those games. It's early in the season, man. Two and six. Small sample size, but not looking good when we're all in lockstep, especially when we're in lockstep with the team that's favored. The Rams are the vastly better team. The Rams have a legitimate shot to not just get back, but win the Super Bowl. The Rams have an elite defensive line, which Cleveland abandoned this year because they decided that as we rush our rebuild that me and Dylan have been very against, they were doing everything right, and then we're like, nah, fam, let's just do this because we want OBJ. Uh, they abandoned what they were building on the offensive line. Um, their defense has not looked good. Uh, Miles Garrett looks good, other than the fact that for no reason, I think he tried to murder uh, – Trevor Simeon last week and was successful doing so. 
dickhead. Greg Williams. Oh God, is Greg Williams is the defensive Bounties. coordinator. Isn't it? it all makes sense now. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's some real shit. Maybe that was legit. God dang, that man just wants to see people hurt. And I, I like hard hits as much as the next guy, but, uh, and I like Miles Garrett, but man, he did Trevor Simeon dirty last week. Just rude. Um, these guys are going to eat that offensive line apart, like Dylan said. Baker Mayfield hasn't looked good, and Cleveland can have a bounce back game. They can look better, but LA. Quarterback be damned is just a better team, period. Three-point favorites. I, I don't care if this game is played on the moon. LA should win this game by two touchdowns. It's a wrap. We're all on the same page. And that concludes our picks for week four, hopefully going much better than they have. And real quick, just to kind of put it out there, because while we've been bad on picks this year, there are a couple bright spots, or at least we're, uh, we're hanging in the balance. Ryan and Matt are both 500 on college picks. So they've been all right there. I'm 500 in the NFL so far. So there's been some bright spots, but we have been an abomination this year. I promise you we will turn this around. Make sure you like, subscribe, rate, review on Podbean, on iTunes. If you figure out how to do it, just please let me know. Follow us on Facebook at Sports Carnage Podcast and on Twitter at Sports Carnage. Hello to all of Matt's Boston friends, apparently. Damn right. Boston sucks. For Dylan Bear, Paul Rashawn, Ryan Griffin, I'm Matt Bass, and we are Sports Carnage. Thanks for sticking with us. We'll talk to you all next week.